You're tuned into episode 17 of the Comics Pals podcast. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. This show has more positive feedback than every DC movie combined. If that's not going recommendation, I don't know what is. Ooh, ooh, ouch. That's shockingly accurate. <laughs> hey, you know what? Excellent. That's actually true because I guarantee you that no DC movie has a 5 out of 5 rating, but this podcast does on iTunes. So if you want to help us out, you should go to iTunes and continue to add to that by giving us a 5-star rating and give us a comment and let us know what you think about the show. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at The Comics Pals. And you can write to us at thecomicspals and gmail.com. Last but not least, you can hit us up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. It helps us out a lot. And make sure to leave us a comment and share with your friends. Now that was pal Wait. synergy. <laughs> that was. That was the cleanest intro we've ever had to this show, guys. I'm that, into it. <laughs> that was a fucking transition if I've ever heard one. Can we just cut that and use that as the intro for every show? <laughs> All the time. I pitched on a softball and he threw it out of the park. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so there's actually a ton of news this week. It's a really big week. Uh, just kind of avalanched out of nowhere. So I'm excited to do this episode uh, because there's a ton to talk about. Um, but before we get to that, I want to know how you guys are doing this week. Pretty good. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Can't complain. Um, I, I had a bit of a mixed bag this week, but, uh, I finally got my new computer built. So those of you who like to watch the show on YouTube, um, if you missed last week's episode, it should be up by the time you're listening to this one. Um, so thanks for bearing with us on that. Hopefully you were able to check out the show on one of uh, our audio services. And Pete, you actually had a big milestone. You want to talk about that? Oh yeah. I wasn't even going to bring this up. Um, so if you guys are regular listeners of the show, uh, you'll know that I also, uh, work for CBR.com where I'm a freelance list writer and, uh, I just wrapped up my first month there and, um, I passed over a million views on my articles. So congratulations. So, yeah, thanks guys. Nice. Um, so yeah, nice. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that some of the pals out there were a part of that because I know, uh, some of the articles, we're shared on our Facebook page, so if you guys did check it out, thank you very much. If you haven't yet and you still like to read like an old man like me, um, please go check it out and help support me, help pay for this new computer. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I like. I read pretty much the same stuff I was talking about last week. I had just started reading the um, like DC Marvel crossover stuff from the '90s and the amalgam stuff that they did. That was like legitimate like fusion characters and stuff like that. Um, so I don't want to like talk too much more about that because it's basically just i read more of that so um we've got a lot of news so that's pretty much it for me cool uh phil all right so i uh well firstly i saw lego batman this weekend it was a really fun movie and since that's pretty relevant to the stuff we talk about you should check it out it's pretty uh endearing was it Uh, wait one second was it better or worse than the following movies (laughs) batman versus superman better okay the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, better. Shit. Okay. The Dark Knight. No, no, no. Okay. Batman Begins. Probably not. Okay. Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Batman Forever. Yeah. Batman Returns. Yeah, but I'm not crazy about that one. That's I'm not crazy about Batman Returns. Batman 89. 
Uh, probably not, but maybe. Okay, so it's the second best Batman movie ever made. Yeah, this is this might be like the second or third best Batman movie, which like it's not even that great. This is like there's that many bad Batman movies in my mind. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> still, that's pretty glowing praise yeah. though to give it number two slot. So you just got Phil's unofficial uh, the- ranking of Batman movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how I'd rank those, but uh, whoever does the Bane impression in that movie is really funny because he does the Dark Knight Rises oh, one, but it's so like clearly a, like a satire of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty Brothers. funny. <laughs> Brothers. And then <laughs> uh, I read I read the rest of Tom King's Vision this week, uh, she's two mm-hmm. through twelve, and it was fucking great. Yeah. So Good. at this point, that puts me two third this week probably. But uh, Phil, it it's Doug great. Benson. Doug Benson, he kills Doug it. Doug Benson does Bane. He kills it. It's so funny. That's great. Um, but yeah, I wanted to interject. I remember last week on the show, I said I was going to read Vision so we could talk about it this week. But to lower the curtain, we were supposed to have a guest on the show this week. So I was like, ah, we're not going to really have time to talk about Vision. I don't really have time to read it. So I didn't. I'm an asshole. I'll yeah, we can talk about week. Vision more at length next week. I'm just going to say it's great and you should all read it. Kale. <laughs> Uh, so I read uh, the first volume of The Bunker from uh, Oni Press. It's a graphic novel uh, by Joshua Hale Fialkov and Joe Inf- Infunari. Infernari. Sorry, Joe. Oh, this is <laughs> um, the portion of the show where Kale yeah. gets names wrong. Stupid freaking stupid <laughs> bit. I hate this garbage. Um, it's about uh, it's about this group of friends who find a bunker. You don't uh, say. As they're like trying to... <laughs> Let Kale tell his damn thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're supposed to interrupt Sean, not Kale. <laughs> <laughs> I killed Sean. He was drinking water. He's joking. (laughs) Kale, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. They find a bunker. (laughs) That wasn't a joke. That's just. I know. Kale's so fed up with everyone's shit right now. (laughs) I've been here. I've been here to do a show all morning. <laughs> Kale, Kale really has had a tough morning. We tried to get his friend on for a guest spot. It didn't work out. I, I don't mean I don't mean to bust your balls. Please tell us about the comic. Tell us about uh, the bunker. <laughs> uh, they uh, so they they find an an underground bunker where uh, there uh, there are letters written to them to themselves from themselves from like the future. Oh, that's cool. And basically. Basically, it's like a post-apocalyptic uh, future, and like they can prevent it or they can, uh, you know, make it happen. It's really good. It's a really good, yeah, really good story. Um, also, I watched. I uh, Jess and I tried to watch another episode of Riverdale, and here's my verdict: it's trash. Uh, you, you took a hard turn on that. I remember last week you were like, "Yeah, you know, I kind of like it. It's pretty good." I and just I remember like a few days later you were like. Riverdale is fucking trash. I just cannot with this show anymore. It is it is straight CW trash. I have to watch it now. So that's like I have to. The, the, that's the official CP <laughs> verdict. If I never, no, I can't. I, I if I, I watch it, and if I, hope I, I love it. If I never get another Comics Pals verdict, I'll die on this one because that's trash, and I'm standing by it. 
I actually didn't really want to watch it until you said it was trash. <laughs> and now I want to watch it. I don't know why, but yeah. You're you just to be, just Sean, to be a vindictive you, ass. Sean, you especially are gonna hate it. You're I not gonna like it at all. all. Like go the opposite of Kale's recommendations. Oh, it's trash. I gotta check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, if you like Archie, go pick up Mark Wade and Fiona Staples and uh, Veronica Fish's books. Like this, this show is not this show is not Archie. But if you love trash, watch Riverdale. I do, I do enjoy trash. Yeah, sometimes. dude. Yeah, if you guys love trash, follow me on Insta- uh, social media. <laughs> <laughs> you are indeed trash. <laughs> Marco, go ahead. <laughs> um, so this week I read, um, oh, I read a uh, turncoat by Plaid Klaus and Ryan O'Sullivan. Uh, I know we we plugged his shout outs to our boy. Yeah, Plaid. yeah, yeah. Um, Seriously, go follow the guy on he's, Instagram. He's, he's a phenomenal awesome. up and coming artist. His art is awesome. We all have a print of his on our wall. Mm. So and um, the the art like he has a very distinct style and uh, one of the, like the really um, big. I guess things that pop out are the way he draws chins. Um, they're just like uh, very hard, like like very hard line chins. So that was just something that I saw across all his art uh, in in the book. You know, what? his like art weirdly reminds me of uh, of Jendi. Yeah, 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 Jendi or Jendi, uh-huh, right? a little bit. Yeah. You know, like the like really really harsh uh, mm-hmm. lines. Jendi Tarkovsky, you know? is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creator of Samurai Jack and Dexter's Lab. Yeah, the Powerpuff Girls. He made the Powerpuff Girls. No, no, no. Com- he didn't. He didn't. Craig McCracken made that show. He was a director on. Oh it. shit! I fucked yeah. up, listeners. <laughs> it's all good. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm low key an expert in cartoons, so it's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, and the book was really really funny. It's basically an assassin of superheroes, and like he just sucks at his job. Um, and it's just it's really well done. It 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 uh it sort of kind of yeah like the the ending kind of derails a bit where with with the plot, but then it sort of addresses the plot itself as just like yeah you know it's like whatever it was very aware of itself. So I I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. The book. Um, cool. I also read the second volume of The Woods by. Uh, I have it on my thing. James Tinian the fourth and Michael something Dalamus. The portion of the show where Marco tries to read from across the room. <laughs> Go pick up the damn book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Here comes some dead air. Michael Dialinus. And um, through the magic of editing, that'll sound. Yeah, good. it will. <laughs> Marco, cut that out. <laughs> and uh, Marco doing that to himself is very funny. Marco, leave that in. That's what I was going to say. Um, and yeah, the the book's like it's a mystery. I don't know if you guys know about it, but it's like a mystery uh, on a on an alien planet. These kids get transported to some weird moon. Um, and it's like it's like a whole it's like a whole high school. Yeah, a whole high school. Yeah, yeah. The the whole, the entire high school. And um, I I really like the first volume. It. it I just got the second volume. I think I read the first one like last year, and I just I didn't get around to reading the second one. And uh, I really like where it's going, where the story's going. Um, it's action packed. It has a sense of mystery and a lot of like teenage like teenage angst because they're they are high schoolers. Um, so it it sort of deals with that whole um, the the whole high school problems and stuff, but in with the dangers of 
being hunted in, in the woods, you know? Um, <laughs> That's like my favorite thing about comics. Like, I love how frequently comics subvert mm-hmm. um, something familiar like that. And then it's just like, hey, so it's like, you know, a normal story about being in high school and growing up and relationships. But also there's like fucking yeah, monsters yeah, 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 and it's yeah. in space. <laughs> it's like, yeah, man. That's it's a really great, great way to just <laughs> blend genres. Yeah. Um. That's what's so fun about comic books. Was that you your high school experience, like Marco? It was. Uh, I'm not actually from Earth, as many of you know. Uh, I recently came here from the Andromeda Star. Let me explain where you came okay, from. Okay, sorry. Marco sorry. the Martian. Marco came from a giant stool I had. <laughs> oh. He just grew arms and legs and came to life one day. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I butted from Phil's ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> God. Like a mushroom. Like a mushroom. That's right, disgusting. <laughs> this is a real silly episode already. I love it. I love it. Sean. Sean, what did you read? I don't even care if you read anything else. No, 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 but the next one the next one the next one I read was uh um Descender by Jeff Lemire and oh, cool, um cool, and Dustin cool. Wynn. Yeah. That was That's really, great. really good. The Yeah, I've only read the first arc, but it's really good. I just brought those two books home, so I'm gonna read those today. So nice. wait, what you got like the first two volumes? Yeah. Oh, cool. Nice, nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the if anything's ever gonna come of it, but um, that book was interesting to me because I remember uh, when it came out, like there was buzz around it right away because it got optioned to be a movie before the first issue even yeah. came out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a really cool yeah, book. Yeah. Um, and uh, Wynn's art is amazing. Like, yeah, I got to, I got to interview him about it actually once. And really? He, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, dude. I think on the sh- book, I, yeah, yeah. Oh snap! Um, it, it's uh, yeah. He's he's an amazingly talented artist, man. Yeah. Uh, he also did um, Lil Gotham, which is just like it's so it's like I don't really like like shibby stuff like that. It's not shibby because it's American, but like you know, like the like babyization or whatever, like making like little cutesy like. But it's so good. Like it's uh, the art is just so fucking adorable. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a really great artist, and Jeff Lemire is a really great writer. Um, is that is that book over? N- no, it's still ongoing. I think it, it it you know how Image has like five or six issues, of, and then like takes a two month break usually. So I think they're on their third arc, or they just finished their third arc. Yeah, they they I think they're on a schedule of doing like one arc a year. So it's like oh, is that how it works? I'm not I'm not sure if it's like if that's what's planned. Mm-hmm. But, like, the first one came out in, I want to say, 2014, like, the yeah. end of 2014, because that was when I interviewed him, I think, and then, obviously, Volume 2 came out last year. Um, okay, so they've been kind of, like, so, Yeah, it's, been, it's been inconsistent, but, um, but like, it started at the end of 2014, too, so it's, like, it's not, like, it's been that long, but... Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's a little all over the place. Yeah, and um, that was, that was it. Oh, and... Preacher Volume Two. I'm I'm loving Preacher. Not surprising. Why are you being so preachy about that book, dude? Oh, Boo. oh my god. Boo. <laughs> hey. Womp. The show screeches to a halt. <laughs> we just lost. We just lost live listeners, Phil. We just lost them. Yeah, I'm checking the meter right now, and it's just gone down like crazy. The Nielsen box. <laughs> I did want to say that right before the the episode started, we. I got I got a box full of comics and I wanted to put it up to a vote as to what I should start reading first because I got a bu- a bundles a bundle a bunch a bundle 
That's the new inventing words now. That's the new word that we use anytime we have to say a lot. Abundundle. Abundundle. Oh man. Hashtag it everybody. Hashtag Abundundle. Let's make it. Let's let's get that trending. So what'd you get? All right. So I got Alan Moore and Kurt Swan's "Whatever Happens to the Man of Tomorrow." Read that. Good. Read that. Move on. Wait, wait, uh, Everyone's right. like, "Good, yeah, right. go on." That was quick. I just read that um, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. You could read it, and then we'll talk about it next week. It's like it's not even. It's like two issues. We, we uh, speaking of live production notes, we could definitely do an Alan Moore episode sometime. Oh, that would be fucking hot! I love Alan Moore. Don't He's you just mean a Swamp Thing show? Nope, no. never. You know All what? Right. You know what, Marco? I would have backed you up on that. But you talk shit about Invincible for a whole week to be on social media. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> first of all, and, and take li- it listener, outside, boys, listeners. <laughs> I, yeah, I shat on Invincible. I can't. You didn't even like, read it. You've never. I didn't read even it. read it. I didn't. Read, just, I, I literally <laughs> threw it in the trash. You're just, just to fucking make, with me. Just, just to, just to bother Pete. I broke his. I broke his heart by throwing the book in the trash. I'll tell the you compendium. what. Compendium. You know if you want to see it, just go to my Twitter at loud underscore Pete. Let's go find it. Marco's a fucking animal. Or, or go to mine and at woe is Marco underscore and, and see my my attacks on Pete. Or go to <laughs> mine at Sean Soapbox and see nothing. All right. Still Moving hasn't right put along. a cup cover image. Has not tweeted yet. He's still has an egg. Tweet. Is he still an egg? No, no. He has a picture, but he doesn't have a cover. Like, oh, it's gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So this week I spent a lot of time playing uh old Sega beat 'em ups uh the superhero games that Pete hates <laughs> so like you know the old X-Men the old Spider-Man that kind of stuff that episode got um, you uh got the nostalgia itch going yeah actually actually I went and took care of that and got those games and uh they're not good they're so good dude I have dude, been uh, playing nonstop that's ridiculous let's <laughs> call Sean yeah, man. Uh, it's been a blast. A lot of nostalgia there. Those games are hard. I love it. Um, as far as reading, I, I actually didn't read too much. I read some stuff. Like, I read Flash, which I've been reading, like, every week because I'm still catching up. I'm caught up now. but um, and, and a few other things, but nothing that I really have a great opinion on. Okay. Um, so, cool. yeah. <clears throat> so, we actually have some reader mail to talk about. Uh, some mail of this is, you know... <laughs> some of this is is a week or so old so we apologize for not uh, necessarily getting to you right away but we do love to bring this stuff up on the air so pete's gonna take it away and read the mail all right it's time for some reader mail i'm, I'm oh, nice. trying it out i'm trying out another thing i don't know like give you positive feedback, do i need to do do i need to do a thing to that yeah, do it. You sure do, Marco. Uh, mail time, mail time, mail Oh my god, I'll throw that in. Uh, if it's Shut not it down. It's copyright. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> my voice is that good. I sound exactly like Steve. All right. Okay, so here we go. We're, we're moving on uh, to, the, to the reader mail. So um, we got some comments uh, on um, episode 12 of the show, our Batman special. We had a comment from uh, VL1213. Uh, who said, 
what was the name of that book that Mark hiked up for Pete in the beginning? Uh, we don't remember, but we're going to get that back to you. I didn't mean to read that I on the promise. air, but I queued it up and it's done. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> next one <laughs> is uh, on episode number 15 of the show. Um, the Return of the Girlfriend Pal. We had Jess back on the show. Um, JT wrote in and said, awesome podcast, guys. If you guys like The Flash, wait until the rogues come back. I just subbed. So thanks for subbing, JT. Um, and, uh, you know. and Sean will definitely watch that show now. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Um, okay, so moving right along. Uh, we got a really awesome piece of fan art that will be included in the YouTube version of the show. We'll link to it in the audio version uh, from uh, at Gonzalez underscore illustrations on Instagram. Uh, he drew a cover for, um, we, you know, if you guys will remember on episode 15 of the show, we played Apples and Origins and we came up with an idea for a comic called Drowning. Uh, and um, uh, we got a, a cover here. So it looks awesome. You know, you check it out. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you see it right now. So um, shout outs to uh, Gonzalez Illustrations. Please go follow them on Instagram. And thanks again for, for drawing in. Send us another one. We'll, we'll totally pimp it out again. Uh, this was so awesome. Future rounds of Apples and Origins. Listeners, draw us more covers. We're not grateful. We're needy and have high expectations <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, but no, seriously, that was so cool. Like, that totally made my day. Um, so I, I, I super appreciate you guys sending in that fan art. That was so yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, please send more. Send more. Um, okay, and then the last one, um, we've got a, a, an email um, from, I'm going to bu- butch this. Um, but maybe maybe should have Kale read Al- it. No, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so it it's A L G E L I S Algelis Algelis Algelis. All right, so from our friend Al Algelis Gonzalez. Uh, so Al Algelis, right? Algelis. Yep. All right, cool. Algelis writes in and says, "Hey, comics pals, my name is Algelis, uh, but you can call me Al. Um, <laughs> that's a Paul Simon joke. Uh, Gonzalez, and Boo. big fan of the show." <laughs> Uh, I've been listening to some episodes. There's more for me to catch up on. uh, And I love how you guys bounce off each other's opinions. I hear a few of you guys are personally working on your own comics or stories. Um, So I am personally writing and drawing my own comics. And in pursuit of that, I find myself wanting to know your opinions from all you guys uh, with some questions I've conjured up from my personal journey. My question is, in your creative process, how much did you guys learn and grasp the idea of how difficult it is to create a story? How do you maintain the self-discipline to create while fighting procrastination or at the same time getting pulled left and right from your own personal responsibilities? And finally, how do you stay motivated? Love the show and keep up the good work. You guys are soldiers. So thank you so much, Al. Um, we appreciate no you No one's ever in. called me a soldier before. I'm really yeah, hyped about that. Me neither. That was, that's cool. So um, I'm going to transition this into the random question of the week. So Random dubstep sounds. Oh, should I do that one again? Okay. Now you can work with that. You got sound bites. Um, so before we, before we answer, I just want to make it clear that the same person who sent in the Fan fan art is the same person who sent in this email. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so thanks a lot, Al. And now we will tackle your question. Pete, since you read it, you want to start off? Yeah, uh, and I, I wanted to kind of – we talked about this before the show. Um, not all of us are writers, so we're, we're going to kind of expand the, the topic out to just how do you find the time to be a creative when there's so much work and, and all these other things and stay inspired, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely start it off. Um in regards to how difficult it is to create a story, uh, 
I don't think I really realized how difficult it was to craft a story until I really sat down and tried to do it. I think it's really easy to to say that you want to write comics or to say that you want to be a writer um, or to even have an idea. It's a lot different to sit down and learn how to write a script and uh, write dialogue and create the direction for the artist and all that stuff. Um, and that's it, it's it's a it's a pretty major undertaking. Um, and I I didn't really get comfortable with it and I'm still really not totally comfortable with it um, until I forced myself to do it. Uh, I had a really great class in college. It was a creative writing class that was like um, an open roundtable kind of thing. Every week you had to um, you had to like write a piece and have it come in and, and turn it into people, have them read it and workshop it kind of thing. Um, I had a few different classes like that. Uh, and that's the best thing that I think you can do is write every day, write as often as you can and um, and get people to read it and get people who are writers to read it, not your friends who are going to be like, yeah, this is good and blow smoke up your ass. Get somebody who's going to really give you constructive feedback, like join a writer's group, find a forum online, uh, connect with other people that are going to be honest with you and help you grow and help you improve. And and to, to um, Pete's point about uh, just like doing it, also try to do it when you're feeling inspired because I know that um, a lot of the time, like when I try to write a song or make music and I'm just like not feeling it, I'm sort of putting my effort and energy into something that ultimately is going to be like, like a crapshoot. Like I'm not going to be able to create something all that great if I'm tired, if I'm, um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I mean, just for me, I'm saying, I feel like that applies to music. Um, and I, I would yeah. agree with you there, but I feel like when it comes to writing, like, I think there's a really big problem around the myth of inspiration. And I see Kale agreeing. I want to let him weigh in here because he's got the most experience. But I think there's a big problem with the myth of inspiration with writers that you need to be inspired or whatever. And it, you, writing's a muscle, you know, and like you need to exercise it every day. And the better you get at writing when you're not inspired, the better your work will be when you are. Yeah, like I can't, I can't say much more than... Uh, much more than that you said that better than i, I ever could um the, yeah the best thing you can do is just write and keep writing and as for staying motivated that's just right when you're i mean it's the same as yeah it's the same as exercising just you just go you just go when you're tired you just go when you're when you don't want to do right. it you just go just make sure you do it Yeah, you don't always feel like exercising but like you got to do it you got to you got to put in that work because you can't, you're not always going to be inspired, you know? And like, if you wait to write until you're inspired every day, you'll never write anything. And you have to be okay with your writing not being good, you know? And that, not even just writing, anything, any any skill you want to develop, you need to be okay with sucking. You know, it, it takes, the old adage is it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at anything. And I think that's true, you know? Um, you need to put the work in and be okay with your drawings not being strong or your, your scripting not being good or your dialogue being clunky and just keep trying until you write something that's good. Like, if you write something that isn't up to your own snuff, like, and you hit a wall and you get frustrated with it, just keep fucking going. Like, just finish. Just go. Go for it. Uh, and you know what? You might like pieces of it, you know? Right. Exactly. You might read it and you're like, oh, this is good. I, I actually like this. And then you'll be like, well, this sucks. Why the hell did I include a giant uh, swamp thing in this book when no one likes swamp thing? <laughs> All right. You had to get that. You had to get that stab in. All right. That's cool. <laughs> but you know what else, man? I think I, I, I think the act of creating for the sake of, of creating is really underrated. Um, you know, because like yeah, the, for yeah. sure. so often, um, you know, I start working on something 
Uh, like to take it back to music, there is so often where I start writing a song and I just lose interest in it. And it's like, that's okay. You just move on to the next thing. Like it's okay mm-hmm, to start mm-hmm. something and not finish it. If you don't have the motivation, the thing is that's not okay. is not working. You know, you got to do it every single fucking day. And it doesn't, and like uh, to the, the, um, the topic of like staying motivated, uh, that's a big thing too, that I think is, is a myth. Like motivation is a myth. And like, and maybe I, I am privileged there because people always tell me that I'm the most, one of the most driven people they know. So maybe I'm just lucky that I have drive, but you can't wait around to be inspired. You can't wait around for, for the, the stars to align. Um, cause they're not going to, you know, and there's you a million other people. It who are going to put in the time when they're tired and they already worked eight hours a day and then they come home and put in another six hours. That's what I do every single day. And mm-hmm. it's just like, that's the reality of how you how you make it in a creative field is you have to work really fucking hard and you have to want it. You have to really want it. Like if you wake up one morning and um, you realize that, oh, like I've been doing this stuff and I forgot to eat breakfast or like I forgot to do something that I was supposed to do like it's because you've been in that mindset you've been so focused that you're that you're doing it like that's a great place to be and yeah. that isn't necessarily i mean that is like the inspiration and the motivation but you have to sort of keep trudging along and, and make make not make the time or find the time but rather reorganize your priorities and be like right. all right would i should i rather take out like even something simple is like should i rather like wait this 5 minutes break my concentration and like take out the trash because it smells a little bit like, I mean, you know, some people can do that. Some people are just like, you know what, whatever. I'm going to finish doing whatever I was doing and do that afterwards because I'd rather prioritize this over that. That's a really good point, Marco. When you talk about priorities, when you want to create something beautiful and full of substance, you, 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 I think you just got to tough it out instead of maybe having sex with your girlfriend for a weekend. There it is. I saw it coming. Yep. Girl, I saw it coming. Yep. Like, it was coming yeah. down the rail. I'm like, all right, all right, let's see, let's see what's going. Let's, let's see, keep it chugging along. And it hit. Um, I oh. walked the bases, boys. I was, yep. for that I was one. wondering that was when that one was going to Waiting for that to land. <laughs> Perfect. Um, <but> yeah. <laughs> Everyone freaked out at that one, too. Everyone was, <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> Uh, I, I do just want to say one last thing before we wrap this this conversation up. Um, I think in regards to the question of um, self-discipline, fighting procrastination, and personal responsibilities, um, Marco hit the nail on the head where it's priorities. You know, um, every, everybody says they don't have time to do anything, and everybody's full of shit, you know? Because even if you work eight hours a day and you sleep another eight hours, that leaves you with plenty of time in the day to get work done and it's a matter of like instead of going home and popping down and watching netflix you go right you know or you wake up an hour before you go to work and make sure you get get writing done or you whatever you know you need to make sacrifices where you can have them well in, in fairness there are people who legitimately like say you have a family and you're working like two jobs to support your family like the reality is like creative outlets are probably gonna be sacrificed so that you can like literally but sustain then, your but family. then priorities there are are different you know like like then it goes back to like where you prioritize your time you'd be prioritizing it over your family and their support versus like if you're by yourself uh or yeah you, no you, i'm just saying it's not always that black right black. right but the point the point the point is make it work yeah right if, if you like, can i mean whatever whatever i mean 
if you if you're gonna if you want to do it you have to make it right or i can't can or can't or the, the like, harsh reality is like i think it is that black and white but it's just like if you can't sacrifice time because you have a family or a job that's too demanding then you can't be a creative and yeah and that's the reality yeah. of it and it's like yeah, that's yeah. okay um but that just you know that's something that you need to and like that doesn't mean you can't do it in your spare time that doesn't mean you can't enjoy the hobby and whatever but like the reality of you becoming a professional comic book writer if you can't write a comic every day is non-existent and i just want to make that clear so so no i got you i want to i want to uh add to this um i think i think everything you guys have said is totally right and i think people underestimate how much time they actually do have I mean, for example, you're in transit, right? Like you go to work. If you take the bus or the train, draw on the train. On the bus or the train. Uh, if you are in a car and you can't write, talk. You can pull out your phone and voice record. Buy know? a tape recorder. Just, keep yeah, it in the car. Get your your idle thoughts out there or whatever. You know, there's there's plenty of ways to get it done if it's that important to you. Wake up early on the weekends. You know, like. You know, wake up like five in the morning before your family wakes up and write for a couple hours, then cook everybody breakfast, you know, and do your thing. I, I, when I first decided I wanted to write comics, I took a class called Comics Experience. Uh, and it was, it was really amazing because, uh, the, so the, the, the course teacher was John Barber. Uh, he currently writes Transformers for IDW and, he he basically instilled in us that not only do you have to write every day, but that you have to improve as you work. And you can't just keep writing and not reflecting. You know, there's there's the work and there's the reflection on the work. And you have to have a critical eye towards yourself. And I think what kills a lot of people's um, careers, not, not necessarily careers, but kills their ability to do this, is that they can't look at themselves and say, okay, this isn't so great. But here's what's really good about what I do. And here's how I can improve on that. Um, some people just kind of do it and do it and do it. And they never get any better because they can't look at themselves and judge themselves. And I think a lot of people just want to be praised for doing anything at all. You know? Yeah. Me! 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 <laughs> and, it, you know, it's like yeah. that's, that's a big yeah, thing. Phil. That's a big thing that, like, I run into a lot where, like, I'm very critical of my work because I want to be successful. And people are constantly being like, you're too hard on yourself. Like, you work so hard. You need to take it easier and da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, that's just not true. You know, it's like you need to be your own harshest critic because every, no one else is going to blow smoke up your ass because, like, the world doesn't care that you worked hard on this. The world doesn't care that this is your passion. Like, you've got to you've, you've gotta be – you've got to have thick skin. And, like, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and accept the shit that you're going to take. Yeah, and and uh, uh, to your point also is like I wouldn't necessarily agree that no one's gonna tell you like whether your stuff is good or not. I would say also like find like you were saying also find another creator, find somebody who can critique you from an artistic standpoint and be like, hey, maybe this isn't working because of right. because of this, this, this. And the biggest thing is just put the work out there to receive that feedback like you you can you know show it to someone here or show it to someone there but if you're not showing it to the, the a larger group to a larger audience you're not going to get the multitude of feedback that you can to to grow like if you if you're not going to if you're not going to be out there you're not going to be seen if you're not going to be seen you're not be able to receive that feedback be like hey uh even something is like hey maybe this color was that great like that can maybe trigger just something of just like 
rethinking how you yeah. work a palette, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. Like you just, you get more eyes on the project and like, that's yeah. always how you're going to improve is like, people are going to listen to your stuff or they're going to look at your stuff and they're going to give you their impressions and like, you got to take them to heart and it's like something, they're going to hurt your feelings sometimes. And like that, like, I mean, unless I they're know. mean, yeah, like unless, they, are, unless their manager's like, oh, trash is garbage. Yeah, it's like, some people right, are going to do cool. that. Some people are just going to try to put you down and, like, you need to be able to, like, recognize the difference between constructive criticism and someone who's just trying to be an asshole. Um, but, you know, like, that's the thing is, like, I don't ever take any of that stuff personally. You know, it's like, sometimes, obviously, people are going to say mean things and, like, you know, like, maybe they stick with you. Um, but you can't, you can't take it personally. You know, take it's it like, as helpful. I know a lot of people really internalize their art and like they don't like when people criticize it or they can't handle when people criticize it and that's the thing you got to be okay with so my my last sorry kill my last piece of uh advice is uh that i don't i know a lot of people say that like self-help books or how-to books are shit and they're I not think that that's <laughs> that's that's true in like some specific areas but in the area of creativity it's definitely not true uh, you need to seek out those kinds of things. I have many, many, many books. Scott McCloud, baby. Because if you don't, uh, there are just some tools and techniques that the masters use every single time well, they work on something. Yeah, there's a there's a difference though between self help books and like instructional books. So like, uh, you know, we're 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 talking understanding comics or or even Bendis's words for pictures. Again, understanding that's comics like an, is by Scott McCloud. Everyone should read that. If you have any interest in making comics, that's a bu- must read. Denny O'Neill's How to Write DC Comics. Oh, I have that. That's one. a necessity. And then, uh, what's Dirk's? The name of Dirk's book. So Dirk's book is um, Right or Wrong. That's good too. And I, for me personally, it's the best uh, how-to book that I've ever read. Because it's not just how to sit down and write a script. It's how to live your life this way. You know, from start to, you know, making it as a professional. And it's it's sort of all-encompassing. So if you're looking to be a writer or an artist in the industry, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Dirk Manning's a great guy. Yeah, you should um, seriously, like, go follow Dirk, too, just because, like, he's such a – he's such a – he does such a good job of, like, paying it back. You know, of like, he's always trying to like point out opportunities for like up and coming creators and like how they can get their foot in the door and stuff like that because he's been there. Um, so follow the guy. Yeah, he's very smart. Lots of lots to be learned from him. Great, great, great writer too. <laughs> so to to continue on the point, you, you you as a novice don't know more than these people. And there's a reason why they are where they are and you're not. And that, that's, that's cool. important to keep in mind. Yeah, that's cool because you're just starting, but you can't be arrogant enough to think that you're just going to sit down and just start writing and you're going to write a masterpiece. Not only is that not going to happen, but you're probably going to write the worst thing in the world. And the one of the few ways you're going to improve at that is by taking the advice of people who know more than you. And you have to be willing to do that. And you have to take their advice and apply it. Yeah. I think that that arrogance is a really prevalent thing too. And it's like something that like, again, if you're listening right now and you fancy yourself a creator, like check yourself because you might be dealing with this where like, I think a lot of people have the tendency of being like, well, my story doesn't fall into that or my idea isn't like that. So I can do it a different way or I can do it my own way. And that's not how it works. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. You, You still have to play, like you have to know the rules to break them. You know, that was, yeah, that was honestly, that was the hardest lesson I had to learn. Uh, we uh, the guest we were going to have this week was the first artist I ever worked with uh, in school, and uh, 
he uh, we made a, a 10 page comic together and he got this great grade because uh, he was the artist and his art was amazing and he was you know he was just following my story doing what he was told and I got the worst grade uh, because I didn't listen to the notes I didn't listen to you know the guy who was you know the teacher who was uh, you know our editor or whatever and uh, I you know I thought my shit couldn't stink and uh, my shit stank and I got called on it. And, uh, and that was, yeah, the hardest lesson I ever had to learn. So, uh, it, it happens. Your shit stinks. And I think, I think the important thing is like, that's not to say that like you always need to play by the rules or that it's impossible to do something unique or, or, or break convention or whatever. But like, I think you really should like get your feet like planted by doing things that are conventional and like learning the trade a little bit so that like when you do have your big idea that's outside of the box you know how to properly execute it you know Mm -hmm. and and you learn the proper like that proper base by seeing other creators seeing their work learning from them and one thing that i always do is um uh, I, i was reading a a jazz critique book by some, uh, I, I forgot the the writer's name, um, but he had um, this uh, this sort of methodology called the three eyes, which is uh, imitation, integration, and, and innovation. You have to <laughs> you have to like imitate an artist in order to internalize what they do to really learn, and then you can. Once you once you learn how they work and how they do it, you can integrate it into your own your own style and then innovate from there. Yeah, that's I think I think developing a style is very important. But like, it's that's difficult, the thing, right? Well, and it's again like I hate to like throw around cliches, but cliches are cliches for a reason. And it's like, uh, what is it? Um, good artists imitate, great artists steal. Yeah, you know, it's like there's nothing wrong with that. Like you don't your your first idea doesn't need to be revolutionary. It's like and it's not dude, going to be. No, it's not. And it, and if it is, if it actually is a revolutionary idea, you'll fuck it up by making it the first thing you ever do. <laughs> yep. So hopefully, Al, you got something out of this. Hopefully, all you guys out there got something out of this. Uh, Kale seems like you uh, want to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let me just throw this uh, last thing out there, just for just uh, just for like changing your. Um, uh, your mind, you know, your mindset on like how you, uh, create and like the things you do. There's this, uh, this small web comic by, uh, Tonsi Zonjic, uh, a Swedish guy. I know him from, uh, Lobster Johnson. Uh, he does a little web comic called Not But. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's this artist sitting at the table and he's, he's drawing and the first panel says, you know, not. And then this one I'm looking at says, after trying so hard for so long, I should be way better than this, uh, than, than I am. But, and then, you know, the next panel is him saying, there was never any guarantee that I would even get this far. So it's just this little webcomic of just like changing your mindset, you know, don't, don't harsh on yourself for, you know, how bad you're doing, but like, try and like, think about where you're at and the fact that you're even getting to do it. It's a real um, good, sorry. real good note to end on. Yeah. I think I highly, highly recommend just that little, uh, you know, that that web comic uh, for changing your mindset um, and not being so harsh on yourself necessarily. Yeah, I mean that's it's really important to not, you know, like it's about celebrating little victories, you know, and like again, like to your point, recognizing where you're at, you know, because like 
you being bad, like sucking at something, is the first step to being kind of sort of okay at it. <laughs> just, just, just always reward yourselves with fatty food. <laughs> like if you feel good about yourself, or even if you feel bad yourself, just stuff your face with food that will. <laughs> hey, it works up. for me. <laughs> <laughs> works for me too. <laughs> All right, let's let's move into the news. And thank you, Al, for sending in that question. Obviously, it provoked a thought, provoking conversation. And if you guys want to send us more questions, please do so at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So, uh, it's a big news week, like I said. And the first thing I want to start with is that Logan, the movie, has been getting tremendous reviews. Glowing. That's got me so jazzed, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, I felt like this was probably going to be a solid movie. Uh, I didn't necessarily expect what appears to be something truly great. Um, I mean, it comes out March 3rd, so we don't have too much longer to wait, but I'm, I'm now I'm really excited about this. Whereas I was like, all right, it'll be cool. Now I'm getting ready to shit on it even harder. Oh, of course you are, Marco. <laughs> Fuck you, Marco. <laughs> uh, I just want to point something out. That is going to be like, I'm going to have such a nerd boner that whole day. The Nintendo switch comes out that morning. And I'm going to be picking it up, and I'm going to play Legend of Zelda all day at my house, and then I'm going to pick up my Switch and take it to the movies and sit there and play Zelda until Wolverine starts. And it's going to be a great day. Just want to say, this adds another bullet to my ammunition that when Fox makes a good X-Men movie, it's good. See, I I get... (laughs) No, no, this isn't an X-Men movie. This is a Wolverine movie. Wolverine's an X-Men. It's a completely different set up and scenario where the X-Men aren't even present. Yeah, he's an X-Men. He says it in the trailer. Yeah, he's an X-Men. That the X-Men aren't around. So, yeah, yeah, he's like, an X-Men. Hey, here's the thing, hey, Phil, though. Hold on, me, hold on. Hey, Phil. Hey, 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 Phil. Hey, hey, Phil. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with that theory is that Fox was afraid to make this movie. Fox was afraid to make this movie. They were afraid to make Deadpool. It takes moving mountains to get them to make something of this quality. And I also think that it is relevant that the only like that that this movie only works so well because there aren't any other X-Men in it. Why is it that they can't just make great films with all the X-Men in them. Why Why is it that only the ones with, like, one character can end up being good? I'm going to disagree with you, but if you want to hear more on this, go listen to, to episode it. 8. Yes, please. Battle of the Pals. Yes, please. <laughs> it's R-rated, so... I mean, an R-rated Wolverine movie is like every comic book fan's wet dream. I'm literally, uh, I can't wait to watch Wolverine chop a man's limb off or like dice a person or some shit like that. Like, it's gonna happen and I'm gonna be really excited. People bleed for sure when Wolverine cuts them, uh, for the most part. And so, I feel like that's what he, that's how it should be portrayed and I'm glad that we're finally gonna get that. Um, so moving right along, this is what are we calling this, Kale? Batfleck watch? Batfleck watch. Yeah. Batfleck. Flop flop. This is a segment of the show where we figure out how how much longer the Batman movie is gonna last. Well, there's only one thing that we can say for sure, right? So, like, there it's a guarantee this movie's gonna get made. There's no question about that. There is a Batman movie that is going to be released. In 2018, whether the, or not the, the, at Batflick is there. Well, listen, it's it's DC and WB, 
it, they're they're cashing happening. in on a Batman it's movie. Happening. It doesn't they're matter. They're cashing in, yeah. Who's directing whether we it, like it or not. It doesn't matter who's acting in it. The movie is coming out. They but can like, cast Pete. It doesn't matter. Wait, the movie is guys, I'm, just, I'm getting a phone call. It's Warner Brothers. <laughs> I've got the call. I'm directing this movie. I'm just saying, guys. Like, it takes it takes more than a year to make a movie. The clock's ticking here. They can't find not a, on my film they schedule. Can't find a director. <laughs> They're rewriting the script again. If if these rumors are accurate, Bat uh, fucking Batfleck wants out. Like this movie, you, is... you guys gotta know. When I direct this movie, there's gonna be boom mics everywhere on sh- on screen. You're gonna see <laughs> stagehands everywhere and special effects. <laughs> Good one. Let me let me let me do the actual news story. So, according to the Hollywood Reporter, director Matt Reeves has exited the upcoming Batman film, uh, and it has to do with. It has to do with the fact that talks have broken down between Warner Brothers and Reeves, but uh, talks could resume when heads cool. Regardless of the Batman's directorial problems, the show will go on as WB is intent on making the film no matter what. So, if you recall from last week, Matt Reeves, who directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and a few other things, came on and tentatively agreed to do the film after Ben Affleck decided he was not going to do it. And a week later, he's out of the picture, at least for the time being. So what does this tell me? This tells me that directors don't want to work for DC. Uh, they're, they're slaves to their timeline. And I think that that's really killing a director's ability to make a good film. We have Fantastic Four and Josh Trank as a clear example of what happens when you just make movies for a certain timeline and you and you won't bend. And it's like, I think at this point, like... It's like a black mark on your record to be associated with these fucking shitty movies. You know, it's like there there's we're, we're what? 3 in now? Is it technically 3? Okay. So, we're th- well, you know, with Wonder Woman uh, around the corner. Yeah, so with Wonder Woman around the corner, we're on the we're on the cusp of the fourth movie in this franchise. And assuming that's not good, who the fuck wants to sign on to make the sixth movie in a franchise where the collective opinion about all of them is that they're all bad and like it's just like at this point i feel like they're 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 putting themselves in a position where they're going to have a talent drain you know it's going to be impossible for them to find anybody worth their salt to work on one of these fucking movies buddy i feel like you're judging me for for signing on to this project (laughs) well and also like i'm i'm gonna ignore phil because i don't care about what he's saying uh also like surely like the world's directors and writers and junk are just at a point where they're like, do we need another Batman movie? I don't think so. I think, I think most, I think most directors or creators in general who have a love for the Batman character would love to put their uh, mark on it. I think it's more about them being able to do something decent in the timeline allotted. And that's not possible. And I think any director worth their salt will look at this situation, knowing that they have to start shooting by December, or I'm sorry, by the summer, that production starts this summer, and they're going to say to themselves, there's no way I can make a good movie in that time. Also, not for nothing, like, I feel like if you do this movie and it doesn't work out, like, it's a, like, making a bad movie, no matter what, is a mark on your record, right? Like, that's always going to be the case. And uh, granted, these movies... Unless you're Michael Bay. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but I mean, like, his business is kind of making shitty movies, so... Uh, but... 
So, like, that's always going to be a concern, I feel like, for a director, like, trying to get involved with one of these movies is, like, it's probably going to be bad and that's not great. But it's also a matter of, like, a lot of these directors, like, they're not people who have worked on a superhero movie before. And superhero movies are huge money. So it's like, if you're getting the offer, it's like, do I want to shit out this terrible Batman movie in a year and kill my chances of ever getting to make a Marvel movie? Or, like, maybe when DC does this again and, like, can make a big blockbuster that's actually going to sell? Like, why would you put yourself in that position? Doesn't make any sense. No, like, there's no... there's It's a lose-lose for whoever puts their name on this fucking pile of not a movie. So, uh, just to illustrate how intent... DC is on making this movie in their timeline. Uh, the person who wrote American Psycho, Brett Easton Ellis, uh, did a podcast, and this is what he had to say about this film and the script. So the following is what he said. I was having dinner with a couple of executives who know other executives who are working on the forthcoming Batman movie, The Batman. And they were just telling me that there are serious problems with the script and that the executives I was having dinner with were complaining about people who work on the Batman movie. And they just said they they went to the studio and they said, look, this script is bad. Here's 30, here's 30 things that are wrong with it that we can fix. And the ex- executive said, we don't care. We really don't care. The amount of money we're going to make globally, I mean, 70% of our audience is not going to see this in English. And it doesn't really matter. These things that you're bringing up about the flaws of the script. So I do think global concerns play a big part in how movies and what movies are being made, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's unquestionable. Like, that is like, China is becoming an incredibly important market for the success of blockbusters or, or even latin america like san andreas was a huge success because people in latin america want to go see that in yeah rows. yeah no you're totally right um but that's a that's a really that's a disgusting that's a disgusting point of view I, yeah I, like, it sucks it, to, yeah but that's the thing batman's like the biggest ip in the world like of course we're not gonna get. Uh, we all want a really artistically endeavored movie, but like the, he's the biggest cash cow in comics. Like of course these sleazy Warner Brother executives are just gonna be like, yeah, hey, 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 let's squeeze this one out. He is, but they they can squeeze it out so that way he can also have longevity in the future. Like people are gonna come and be like, all right, this is a crap movie, and they're gonna continually expect a crap movie. Yeah, well, look, yeah, look at the Transformers. We're on the fifth one, and All right, like, fair point. A lot of people still go see that in droves. Well, and I think I think the the reality too, right, is um, these DC movies. They, while they all suck, like we all are still paying to go see them. So I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but when you look at what happened in the '90s, right? Like we got Batman Returns, which a lot of people weren't too happy with, and then we got Batman Forever, which was even worse, and then Batman and Robin, which was, or or maybe it was the other way around. That was even worse than that. And then because of that, we didn't get another Batman movie for almost 10 years. So right. there is there is a reality that people will stop going to see these movies if they suck. It happened before. And I don't think that it can't happen again, especially because the general consensus is that the DC movies aren't good. Uh, Suicide Squad and BVS both underperformed according to what DC expected. And I don't think that Wonder Woman is going to do much better. And I... and. Even though Justice League is like, that's a big deal. If Wonder Woman is bad, I don't think people are going to turn out in droves for Justice League. Not nearly compared to what Avengers did. Uh, I think so, Wonder Woman's probably going to flop, to be honest yeah, with you. Same. I, think, I, think I think Wonder Woman's going to be the first movie that they put out that isn't a financial success. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very possible. And that's unfortunate. And you know what they're going to blame that on is oh, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Yep. 
So real let's, cool. Let's uh, let's move on. We'll we'll continue Batfleck watch. Uh, so let's talk video games a little bit. Uh, this is Marco's favorite topic. <laughs> Marco, you want to you want to tell us what's happening since you're so excited? The hell is that? That was like the Cookie Monster, like Swamp Thing. So Swamp Thing's gonna be Swamp Thing's gonna be um, part of Injustice, man, and uh, Injustice Two. Who, uh, Injustice oh, yeah, what's two. Injustice, man? For those for those of you who don't know, he actually beat out um captain cold in this position because they had a twitter poll maybe a couple months back and he beat out <laughs> captain cold so suck it oh Wait, wow he beat so out captain cold so what you're telling competition. me competition that bums me the fuck out why couldn't they both be in it over one of those fucking eight batman villains it was it was three because it was, they're it was, all uh, it was, more popular it was blue beetle like because like, the, the, the twitter poll was blue beetle um captain cold and swamp thing and swamp thing actually lost um, but I guess they, they threw him in anyway. I don't know. So who won? Blue Beetle? <laughs> no, uh, Blue Beetle's in there. He, he lost, but Swamp Thing was the, the, the least one. It was, uh, Blue Beetle, Captain Cold, and then Swamp Thing. But they still, they so still maybe put Captain Cold in. will still be in the game. Maybe, yeah. So, there's so, a possibility Captain so Cold Swamp Thing didn't even, they just threw Swamp Thing in for pity. So he didn't like, Cold, <laughs> they threw us saying. a bone, okay? Kale. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that Swamp Thing lost the popular vote, but he won the Electoral College. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Alternative facts. <laughs> so I don't know if any of you guys got to see the video of Swamp Thing in action, but he looks he's cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he looks uh, great. He looks, yeah, he looks so pretty good. sweet. Very unique, actually, uh, for a fighting game character to have his physics and the moveset that he has. So I'm actually really excited to play as him. Um, and beat him up when I play against Marco. All right, guys. All right, I'm gonna. He, he's gonna be my main, and and uh, I'm gonna purposely. I don't know enough about the game right. to like say anything. All right, so. good one. <laughs> so my quick question for the room here is: Who do you all anticipate to be your main in Injustice Two? Don't know the whole cast. I know, but so far, who do you anticipate? I would probably, I would probably guess Batman because they usually have Batman play. Um, at least ever since uh, they did the DC versus Mortal Kombat thing, Batman plays like a little bit more like a lot of the Mortal Kombat characters because he he's doesn't a have little powers. bit like Scorpion. Yeah, he's a little bit like Scorpion. Um, and Scorpion's my main in Mortal Kombat, so Batman's usually my go-to. I think yeah, for me in the first Injustice, it was uh, Nightwing and Green Arrow. So if their if their mechanics are still the same, I'll probably stick with them. They'll probably be similar. That's usually like yeah, that's kind of like Nether Realm's mo is like they'll usually. Try to keep their character style similar. Consistent, yeah. Like, even a lot of the moves will be the same usually. Like, I know, like, uh, the the fucking spear for um, for Scorpion has been the same in, like, literally every Mortal Kombat game ever. So, um, In the first Injustice, I used Superman, Green Arrow, and Captain Marvel a lot. Nice. So, uh, I, I want, I'm really excited about using, like, Blue Beetle. Uh, I'm really excited about using him. That's going to be cool. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll see... Uh, Let's see, Sean. Any uh, thoughts? In the first one, I picked Wonder Woman mostly. Athena, guide me. <laughs> and uh, yo, Wonder Woman's a fucking asshole in that universe. I just want to point that out. <laughs> like, she's like, goddamn, she's so crazy. I think there are very few alternate universes where Wonder Woman isn't an asshole. I know. Like I found that out. <clears throat> like, I was like, whoa. She, like in in the main canon, she walks a fine line that. I, I also funny. think I would like to use Gorilla Grodd because I'm a big fan of that oh, character. Oh, hell Ooh. yeah. 
yeah. and Brainiac. So those are the characters. Are <gasps> oh fuck so yeah, cool. Dark Side! You better believe I'm gonna be using Dark Side. Oh cool. You mean Thanos? Uh, Dark Side came first, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. Jesus, I just wanted to trigger you. God, you sure did. <laughs> <laughs> So we just talked about something positive going on in the DC world uh, with Injustice. Let's talk about something negative again. Oh, boy. Uh, Suicide Squad 2 is being made. So Why? that's a negative on its face, Why? right? Why? Stop. Nobody let's talk wants about, a sequel. Let's talk about the double negative. Mel Gibson is being spoken to by Warner Brothers to direct this film. If he directs it, I'll see it. That's yeah. that's the one yeah. thing that will get me to go see. Maybe that's what they're banking yeah. on. Suicide dude. Squad Two is that's fine. If it's directed yeah, by work. Mel Fucking Gibson, it's like, all right, fine, fuck it. I guess. <laughs> What's the last movie Mel Gibson directed? Was it that movie with the fucking beaver puppet? I'll, I'll look it up. I'll look it up because I'm. I might have been. While, yeah. while you look that up, so Gibson, Mel Gibson, hasn't even had a kind word to say about superhero movies before. Oh no, he hates uh, them. Rightfully, he yeah, rightfully so. Most of them suck. Well, he called the Marvel movies more violent than anything I've ever done. And he was the Patriot. He singled out. He was out. in Passion of the Christ. That movie's <laughs> so bloody. He he singled out uh, Batman, Superman as being a piece of shit. And he's not he, wrong. He, I mean, he nailed it on that one. He then said, "I'm not interested in the stuff. Do you know what the difference between real superheroes and comic book superheroes is? Real superheroes didn't wear spandex." So, after saying all that, why would you be interested in making this movie? Well, because it's not a it's not a movie about superheroes. Ah, come on, come on. It's a it's a superhero movie, but I mean, it'd be like making you know Guardians of the Galaxy, like. That's been their tagline the whole time. So it's, he, it's not a movie about superheroes. So he thought so he thought Batman versus Superman was shit. But he didn't think Suicide Squad was shit and he wants to be attached Look, to Look, I can't I mean I can't I can't say that, but I that makes sense based on that quote. Like Hey guys. I don't know, man. Real quick. Uh last movie he directed was um Hacksaw Ridge, which came out last year. Um it's that movie about um Andrew Garfield, who plays the conscientious, conscientious objector, but he was like a medic. Yeah, he's a he's a soldier in like World War Two or something that won't uh, he won't use guns. He was the only, and it's based on a real care, a real person. Um, it's like he was the only soldier who was because like it's like legally you have to carry a gun or some shit, but he was given a pardon to do that, and he was allowed to uh, go out into active combat um, just to save lives. I think he saved like ninety three people or something like that. Kind of like Hawkeye Pierce in the Mash series. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Hal Hal Jordan in New Frontier. Yeah, but yeah, supposed to be supposed to be a really good movie. Until I actually didn't know he directed it. Yep. I thought he yep. just produced it. Um, but yeah, that was supposed to be very good. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it could be interesting though. It's gonna be like the Expendables in his mind, maybe. It would. I don't know. Yeah, like who knows, right? Like it, it would be cool to see somebody who, like, if he really tries, right? And he's like, I don't like superhero movies, but I'm gonna make one and like make it you know, like, fix all the things I think suck about them or whatever, well, let's give them a shot, right? These movies already suck. What do we have to lose? <laughs> I was going to yeah. make an yeah. underhanded comment about the movie being anti-Semitic, but that's low-hanging fruit. <laughs> well, you went there anyway. Yep. So, Marvel has revealed what could be another event uh, coming 
summer 2017. Uh, and oh, no, thank you. All we really have <laughs> is an image, lovely, lovely image painted by the amazing Alex Ross, which features a, a bunch of Marvel's heroes alongside their new counterparts. Uh, and so some of the really interesting elements of this it's called generations got, right yeah it's called it's called generations some of the really interesting elements of this is that you've got uh captain marvel right the the original one marvel and you've got carol danvers captain marvel and then kamala khan miss marvel so it's kind of like uh captain captain marvel the um, marvel family yeah like that that's kind of <laughs> cool and then you've got uh, Jean Grey and the young Jean Grey, which is really interesting because they're the same exact person. Um, and so I'm really interested in what this is actually going to be. They're going to teleport more people from the past into the future. That would suck. This so so the question <laughs> the question in my mind is: Is this what we talked about last week, which is kind of them uh, doing their own version of Rebirth, or is this? A continuation of the collaboration between Kurt Busiek, Busiek, I think his name is Busiek, Busiek, and Alex Ross, who did Marvels together. Um, yeah. So, so I'm I'm not sure exactly what this is, but I'm intrigued because this is beautiful artwork and it has Jean Grey on it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I hope it's not. I hope it's not uh, what we talked about last week. Um, it's about generations and legacy, so I might give it a chance, but I doubt it. Maybe it's a self-contained thing. That would be great. I mean, like, I hope it's a self-contained thing. I, I'm personally of the opinion. I really feel like seeing, like, seeing Marvel in it, like, makes me think that this is gonna be our, um, what is it? Oh man, fuck! My DC knowledge is is failing me. Um, Jason Todd. No, no, the, the Flash, Barry. Right? Oh, Barry Allen. Yeah, I think it's going to be yeah. a Barry Allen situation. Like, I think this is going to be like, hey, remember these characters that have been dead forever? They're all back now. Cool. Let's just shove everyone into the universe and have our cake and eat it too, right? I've always I've always been a big fan of the Marvel family. Like, I liked Genesvel and I liked Philovel a lot. Like, the Genesvel book written by Peter David in the early 2000s is really good. I loved Philovel during the Marvel Cosmic thing. And uh, Death of a Death of a Superhero or whatever, um, where the book where Marvel dies, uh, like it's all good, but like leave well enough alone. Yeah, like, it's if, like if, uh, those books are so good because he was a great hero and he dies, and then like he he's one of those deaths that like has impact. You know, like the ripple from that is huge. He's a hero that dies of a real world. He dies of cancer, right? Like not so. No matter how powerful you are, sometimes you, you still die of something that's very human. And like that, like it's a good message. That's huge, yeah. And like what that meant for for Carol to be able to come along and like you know take up that mantle and everything eventually was like really cool, you know. And it was a great evolution of the universe and like the stuff we always talk about. Like literally last week, Sean and I went on about how we don't like that, and I love that. Like, that is such a good, effective transition of that mantle. And then her mantle goes to Camilla. And it's like, just, yeah, like, leave well enough alone. Like, we don't, like, I don't know. It just, it, it just reminds me of, like, the whole fucking, like, bringing back Gwen Stacy thing, honestly. Where it's just, like, can we just not? Like, do we need that? Do we need to bring Gwen Stacy back? Do we need to bring back Marvel? We have two other fucking characters in that family that are great. Like, do we need another one? I don't know, man. I'm looking at this image, and <laughs> I see Gene, I see Thor, I see Cap. Sean, why do you and... just let Marvel keep hurting you like this? Like, you're going to buy it, and you're going to be like, this fucking sucks, and I don't like it. 
He likes the pain. Again, if it's self-contained, though, could be cool. If it's self-contained and it's like, it, but you know what? It's never self-contained, Phil. Because you know what else was self-contained and cool? Spider-Man. And then my, now Miles is in 616. And it's just like, fuck is you. Is that a bad thing in your mind? Yes. Okay. Like, I'm just, like, <laughs> no, like, like real talk. The first Comic-Con I ever went to, right? You guys, are you familiar with uh, Cup of Joe? So Joe Caseta does panels at New York Comic-Con every year called Cup of Joe. He sits down, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has like a discussion, talks about comics, answers questions. And somebody asked if Miles Morales would ever meet Peter Parker. And his exact words were, and he was not fucking kidding. And he goes, if we ever, if we ever cross over the Ultimate Universe with 616, I guess we've really run out of ideas. He was stupid for saying that. Yeah. He oh, was. for sure. <laughs> but <he was laughs> That's like, all that tells me. I'm just saying, it's just like, like, yeah, it's dumb. Like, it's fucking dumb. Like, we already have a Spider-Man. We don't need three, four, five, six fucking Spider-Men. And, like, Miles being his own Spider-Man in his own universe, if they wanted to end Ultimate, why don't they just fucking keep that book going like they did with fucking Spider-Gwen? And, like, just let it be its own thing. But if you have if you have that opinion, then then how can you also have the opinion that the characters who have been usurped should stay gone? Ooh, that's pretty good. Wait, I'm sorry. Because because it's not because it's not hard to have two opinions. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> you I'm can. Not. Yeah, but they conflict. They're not. They're 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 mutually exclusive. You can't have them both. Why? Because if Miles is in his own universe where Peter Parker is dead and Miles Morales is Spider Man, you don't need Peter Parker to come back. He's he's dead. But you're saying you're saying that you you you're saying you're saying you don't want Miles to exist in six one six. In six one six, yeah. But you're also saying that you want the characters who have who have passed down their mantles to stay gone. So if Miles is if Miles is the usurper of Peter, then why do you think that Miles shouldn't exist? It sounds Miles to me is, like Miles is different than every other one of those heroes because Miles existed in a separate universe and then was brought over from Convergence, and that's stupid. Oh, that's semantics. Yeah, it's I, not, I agree with like Phil. it's not at all. Phil. Like, I mean, you don't have to agree with me, but like. No, it's it's not semantics. Like the, I liked the Ultimate Universe, and I was sad that Peter Parker died. But it was the passing of a mantle. Miles had his own life in his own universe, and then they disrupted that to bring him to six one six because reasons. So, and, if, so if Peter dies in six one six, will you be cool with that? And Miles becomes the regular Spider Man? No, I wouldn't be cool with that. Why? Because I don't want Peter Parker to die. Oh really? Well, neither do hang I. On. That's I don't not. Want hang to on. Die. I hang don't on. That's not. Marvel's already been die. dead for like thirty years, See? Sean. <laughs> yeah, but 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 Cap hasn't, and Thor hasn't, and Hulk hasn't. That's how we feel. That's what you just said is exactly how every single one of us feels. It's annoying. Uh, except for Phil. I don't feel that way. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. what I'm saying is the people who who are angry about what Marvel has done lately feel like that. You're right. Over the last. Go ahead. But I'm also of the opinion they never should have killed those characters off in the first place. So, but how do you? But then, so how do you replace them? You don't like if you or or how do you do a legacy character then in that mind? But again, it's like you can't have it both ways. Like that's my thing. Is like the reason that Miles Morales worked is because he existed in a separate universe, and you could have your legacy. You could have Peter Parker exist in his universe, and Miles be the new legacy character in a different one. That's fine. They're separate. That's not a problem for me. I think if they want to introduce a new 
you know, because like like a good example is like like Sam Wilson as Captain America. That's not a legacy character. That's another character picking up a mantle. They can easily transition him back into being Falcon and bring Steve Rogers back. The idea of like the characters that they have introduced, like fucking um, like it's Ang Lee, right? No, that's a director. Who's the Hulk? Uh, Amadeus Cho. Amadeus Cho. That was so fucking wrong. Um, but somebody <laughs> like racist. Amadeus Cho. Yeah, I guess it was. I'm sorry. Um, no, it wasn't. Fuck you. Ang Lee was an <laughs> Asian director who made a Hulk movie. That's a not. That's a perfectly acceptable Freudian slip. We're, we're backing Pete in the corner right now. He's clawing his way out. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is I think that those characters are different. If you want to introduce a legacy character, you should either introduce them as like a sidekick or some shit or retire a character for at least a substantial amount of time and like cap hasn't been dead that long like wolverine we talked about wolverine's been dead a while they want to bring wolverine back i'm fine with that but i i think it like lessened the impact because old man logan has been around so it's like yeah look he's been gone but like only kind of we've had wolverines so it doesn't feel like he's been gone but whatever Okay, I feel like you just made three different arguments that are that none of them can work together because I don't agree you, that they can't work together. Because you're saying you're saying they shouldn't introduce these characters, but you're also saying that that there are some instances that work and you're saying that none of these characters should die, but that if they do die and they've been dead for a while that it's okay to bring them back. So like where like where is the real Pete opinion there? The lo- well I, I, the opinion is that it should be taken on a case by case basis and it's about tact and execution. And I think that this is like ridiculous cuz like most of these characters are not they've been around for like a year and the sales are bad so they're backpedaling and I think that's shitty. Okay, well so first of all, it's not true that most of these characters have been around for a year. But beyond that whether it's well executed or not, the fact of the matter is that fans want what they want. And so like for me, right? Like I love, like every single, if you're looking at this image right now, the generations image, every character on the bottom row, so the new ones, I love every single one of them. I think they're all fantastic, but I love the ones on top more. And I want them all. I want them all back. I don't want any of them to be dead. I hate that they're dead. And some of those deaths were fantastic. Like you guys mentioned, Marvel was great. Uh, Gene's death, obviously. Um, Wolverine's death was fine. What they've done with Thor is fine. All that's fine, but I still you want him back. Marvel to stay dead, right? I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I'm fine I, with that's, that. That's that was a, that's a big stick in my craw. I'm not not into Marvel coming back. Um, Thor coming back is not a big deal. He comes back all the time. Like he's a god, quote unquote. It's like I, I don't know. Well, the reality is almost all of this is probably going to reset within the next couple of years. Yeah, anyway. it doesn't matter. It's, that's the thing. I'm just frustrated. I'm, I'm Marvel's made me cynical. I, this like, is, I'm, I'm going to summarize this do. in one sentence. Oh, I like legacy characters unless it involves Peter dying. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> Or I just like, I don't know, fucking commit to something. That's, I guess, my... my, my yeah, that's that's my stance too. Just commit to something it's like if you wanted to introduce these new characters don't make them legacy characters if they are going to be legacy characters let them be legacy characters i don't know i feel like that's a cons- i feel like that's a totally consistent argument i know sean doesn't agree but <laughs> well what you what you just said right now i think is consistent yeah okay <laughs> i don't really have anything else to say marco keep it down <laughs> i was gonna say pete let's just go read image comics yeah <laughs> This next piece of news actually is really exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm hyped to see what it leads to. So Karen Berger, 
who is just an absolute legend in the comic book industry, is has teamed up with Dark Horse to helm a new imprint. Uh, so it's going to be called Burger's Books, and she's going to acquire, edit, and oversee all the Burger's Books titles, which is like this whole legacy of books that she's kind of had and worked on over the years. Um, and so it's going to consist of create her own comic books and graphic novels, which will be published by dark horse comics. Uh, no specific titles have been announced yet, um, but they will be branded with the burger books kind of title and logo and the dark horse logo. So we're getting a new uh, imprint. And the reason why I'm excited about this is because I, I, I think it's due time to see dark horse on the map. Because they've kind of been floating in the foreground a lot, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since um, they I lost think... the Star Wars IP, they've been in rough shape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just just real quick to list off some of the stuff that she's worked on, if you don't know who she is. Uh, so she was behind the creation of the Vertigo imprint in, like, 1993. And then she worked on Swamp Thing, Sandman, Hellblazer, um, uh preacher 100 bullets fables why she's basically man. a fucking g yeah she's a legend like, yeah it's like you think of any of the like really notable books from vertigo and she had a hand in them yeah so yeah. she's also behind the young animal imprint like holy like was, shit like, really yeah wow. yeah and it, like right after that was announced was when they let her go so we have oh right i totally oh my god you're right wow <clears throat> like she and gerard way worked really close together on yeah. that and then they yeah yeah wow and they fired her right like i think that was basically what happened yeah yeah that's so dumb why would you let her go well whatever now she's gonna go like this is actually great this is this could be i was excited about this but i didn't i didn't realize she had that young animal connection either that's fucking that's a lot of confidence you know i gotta i gotta get ready to pitch some shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. shit we all sh- we should all get a pitch ready right <laughs> So this is this is great news for the indie world of comics and it kind of leads us into our main topic because uh indie comics in general have had a there's been a huge boom over the last decade or so. Uh and I think there's been a lot of positives and maybe some negatives that the in in the ways that the industry has been affected by indie comics and, and and the rise of them. So I'd like to spend some time talking about that and some of the better things that have come out in the last 10, 15 years that didn't come from Marvel or DC. Um, and keep in mind sales figures and keep in mind uh, impact, like how The Walking Dead has impacted the industry um, and kind of changed the way that people look at indie comics while we have this conversation, because I think indie comics, whether you like them or don't like them, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't like them, have very, very much impacted the industry and changed the way that comics are being made today, including by Marvel and DC. Um, so I think I think you can't have this conversation without talking about The Walking Dead. Yeah, I think and that's a without- good place to start. Yeah, without talking about what Robert Kirkman has done. So well, Pete, can- you're sorry, Marco. I was just like, can we actually start with like the the share that indie comics have in terms of the larger market? Just like so people get a frame of reference of like how small indie is versus like like how quote unquote big image is. Sure. I think that's helpful. Sure. Alright guys, I'm sorry, I had to leave. My planet needs me. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Phil, good luck. Alright. Alright, carry on the Godspeed, image. Godspeed, be safe. Yeah, we'll see you next week, bud. So, Marco, go ahead. 
Um, so yeah, just like um, for people to get an understanding of what indie means um, in terms of sale and where they are in the market, DC and Marvel combined make up about 82% of the entire comics market. So you're, you're, you're basically going to only see not only see, but the majority of what you're going to see is just going to be them, and that's how much uh, of an influence they have in the market. Uh, image comes in at about like ten percent. Yeah, that that fluctuates a little bit, but like they, they they generally have between ten and fifteen percent of the market share. So like even though Image is like quote unquote big, like right, it's their comparison. They're a distant number third three. Yeah, and uh, Dark Horse, IDW, and boom and dynamite they fluctuate between anywhere from two to about eight percent so they're they're usually fighting for that position and then everything other than those make up less than or up to one percent of the entire market share just so people have a concept of like where they where indie lies so essentially indie indie comics creators are fighting for scraps indie indie publishers are are you know, yeah, yeah. There, there's not a ton of money in it for you if if that's where you are on the totem pole, right? Um, and so, and, and though that it, being said, though, it's interesting because like Image does kind of fly in the face of that because they have a few like runaway successes, and like Image makes money, they just don't make yeah. Marvel or DC money. Well, that's right. what I was gonna say. One of the questions when we, whenever anyone talks about indie is, well, is Image really indie? And I think probably it's it's less so now than ever but they're still so far from where marvel and dc are at i don't think it's crazy to say that they are indie yeah we talked about we talked about this on the indie pals episode we did a couple weeks back um and i think the conclusion we came to is that it's like the reason i i think it's fair to still call image indie is because like they're a corporate partner that's involved in an independent comic if that makes sense because it's still independent like they're the financier yeah, right. It's like it's it's more like images a producer on your comic, you know. But like, yeah. So like Matt Matt Fraction uh, just answered a, a question on his Tumblr about like uh, starting a web comic over pitching it to companies, and he said that like basically what he said was like if you are successful with your web comic and and a, a company comes to you to produce it, they're basically just paying for the paper. Right, right. Um, yeah, so... Because it's like, yeah, even any comic, like, that's done by Image does have some level. Like, the, the people have skin in the game, and I think that's what makes it indie. Is, like, if okay. you have, if you have skin in the game for the comic, if it's your, you own it, you know, it, that's independent. Like, it's you're not doing paid work for Marvel or DC or being contracted by somebody at Image to work on one of their books or something. That's independent. I think that's fair. So now and that so, we now that we've established that, I, I think right. let's take it back to The Walking Dead. Cool. So Pete, if you want to talk about that, yeah, man. Um, so I mean, if you're a regular listen, listener of the show, you'll know I'm like I'm a huge fan of Robert Kirkman's work. Um, I think Robert Kirkman is is a phenomenal writer. Um, but I think even more than that, uh, I just really respect him as a person and as a creator. Um, because. So just to give you guys kind of context, because I think it's it's clear that The Walking Dead is popular. It's clear that The Walking Dead is a major success because of the television show um, and the fact that it's become like, you know, a brand. Um, but I, I think it's it's kind of lost on people sometimes how small that book was. 
because um, like any other image book, it was greenlit for six issues. Um, Kirkman was not, didn't think that it was going to go past that. Um, and it was incredibly successful. Uh, it's, if you actually look into it, like if you know anything about buying and selling comics, uh, one of the only comics produced in the last several years that's actually worth a substantial amount of money is Walking Dead number one because the printing numbers were so low on it because it had such low expectations for success. Um, and the fact that it's walked blown up the way it has is, is really astounding. Uh, and um, if you're familiar or not familiar, rather, I guess, um, Kirkman has since started his Skybound imprint through Image, and he's the only person since Image was founded in the 90s that has been made a partner at the company because it's so successful. And he's become the, um, I think he's the C, the C, COO or the CFO now. Uh, um, let me see. Let me put up a, a book really quick. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, I didn't know. Or maybe CCO. He he's has quickly he's up there. Yeah, risen through the ranks of Image. He's the COO. COO. Okay, that's that was the first thing I said um so yeah uh i didn't know that yeah yeah man and um and i think that's the thing that's like lost on a lot of people is like when you look at like how successful kirkman is and the fact that like he's been able to work his way into being a producer and like work in television and all these other places that are way more lucrative um you know he's still a comics guy you know and like he still writes the walking dead every month he still writes invincible every month no it's unfortunately ending um you know and uh Aside from The Walking Dead and Saga, though, and Invincible and Savage Dragon to a lesser degree, Image really doesn't have uh, many books that are, like, huge sellers, you know? Um, so it's kind of an anomaly there that, like, The Walking Dead every month is one of the top ten selling books um, out there is really astounding. And the fact that it's maintained that relevance um, is pretty... I don't know. It's it's pretty it's it's abnormal to to put it you know lightly. Um, I mean, obviously, I think the show has something to do with that, but I think um, something that I'd like to kind of like broaden the conversation to a little bit is I think what's really interesting to me about indie comics more than anything is like the new readers that it's brought in and the new like mm-hmm. kinds of people that it's brought in. You know, and new expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think. You can clearly see uh, in the last decade that rise that we talked about of, of increasing relevance of indie comics um, has also been a direct correlation in a rise in female readership. And I think like that's huge. That's a huge thing um, that like I know in my lifetime, I've really quickly seen comics start to shift from being a boys club to being far more inclusive. Um, and I, that's a huge I think that's entirely indie comics. Maybe not. Maybe entirely is a little bit um, hyperbolic. It mostly, yeah, mostly for sure. But I think so. You know, um, to me, uh, when there's a new person who wants to read comic books, I'm not. I'm there. Very, very rarely am I giving them a Marvel or a DC book as as their first. Yeah, book. same. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's very fair to say. And I think when you talk about ripple effects, and you look at, especially, I would say what Marvel has done with their uh, women superheroes. Um, you look at Kamala Khan and, and kind of her rise, and you look at really how big Captain Marvel has Yeah, the increasing over. focus on Carol Danvers as like a major player in the universe, even though she's kind of always been one. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but w- 10 years ago, we had Civil War, and it was Captain America versus Iron Man. 10 years later, it's Captain Marvel versus Iron Man. And I think that that is such a massive deal. 
And I, I, I quite frankly, I think it's understated how massive that is. Uh, people, we don't talk about that enough. Uh, and she's getting her own movie, which is fantastic. And I think, I don't think it's entirely. Finally. Yeah. I don't think it's. In- it's like way too late. Like, she should have been fucking volume one. I don't think it's entirely due to what independent comics have brought in. But I think now we've got readership who are women who are saying, well, I want to read Marvel and DC too. But there's nothing there for me right now. And so Marvel and DC as well filled that void by creating these characters or bringing these characters into prominence to serve the well, new at least readership. They're, they're trying to. Yeah. And to mixed results, it seems. But but yeah, man, I mean, I, I've definitely seen that because like one of my one of my uh, best friends um, is uh, a woman named Lex who is uh, really like she's one of the people that like keeps the comics industry alive, you know, like. It goes every week to the comic book store, always buys new number ones from Image to try and check out new books and support creators and stuff like that. And she doesn't read any superhero books at all. And the only, like, even close to that that she's ever been into is Tank Girl. And, like, I remember talking to her about it, like, years ago, um, you know, like, before the kind of, like, meteoric rise of Image. And, uh, you know... Her thing was always like, I like, I don't like these characters. Like, they're not, they're not written. Like, these female characters are not written for women. They're written for boys, you know. And it's like, I don't want to, like, I don't relate to this pinup model, you know, who's like scantily clad and shit like that. And it's like, you know, like, and that's, I think that's very real. You know, it's like boys love Jean Grey, girls don't love Jean Grey. You know, like, and and that's no, that's not a dig. That's not a dig. I'm just being sincere. It's like. I really don't think that a lot of like, and I remember I used to be on that argument, that uh, the wrong side of that argument of being like, but there yeah. are so many cool female characters, yeah. and why don't you like Black Widow or why don't you like this character or whatever? And it's like because like they are written for men, like they are, and like it's in- become increasingly apparent for to me, and like I do think that's the reason that we've seen the increase in female readership is because they're finding stories that they relate to and characters that interest them. Yeah, like. You know, uh, I'm, Jess is, you know, uh, an editor at a major comics company. And, like, she, you know, prob- like, the only titles she really works on are um, Doctor Who and, you know, uh, one or two other, like, French things. Uh, but she, like, other than Captain Marvel, like, she, uh, oh, Scarlet Witch is her favorite character as well. But uh, she, yeah, she doesn't read modern superheroes at all like i'll drop stuff on her she's like i don't know what this is i don't know what you're talking about this sucks go away (laughs) and it's like that's the thing man i was like i definitely see that there are i feel like there's a there's a a fan base out there that's thirsty for stuff that's not the big two Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's growing fan base is yeah it's growing a lot and, well, and can I jump off that point uh, with uh, – I would also like to point out the 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 format of comics now has been shifted pretty dramatically by Image. Uh, like, you know, it used to be uh, story arcs were, you know, however many issues an, an amazing pair of artists could, you know, churn out. Now yeah. it's – you know, yeah. Like. Now it's five, six issues, and that's what you're on for. And if it works, you can keep going. And that really started with uh, with Saga. I, I think I brought it up before. Like when they first optioned Saga, they were like, "Hey, we want to do uh, this many 
issues and then we're just going to take a two-month hiatus and image is like no it's never going to work we're not gonna let you do that and brian kevon's like oh well all right well then i guess i won't do it here they're like no 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 whatever we'll give it a shot it's not gonna work do it and now it's almost an industry standard at image at least and it the whole idea of like five to six issue arc is becoming a sort of standard well the the five to six issue arc thing actually didn't come from that it came from people it came from marvel and dc wanting to sell more trades and realizing how much money there is in trades and so they limited the amount of issues that would take place in an arc so that they could fit the entire arc into one trade so that you could just buy the one trade and be done yeah i think i think what marco was saying was about like the doing an arc and then taking a break and then doing an arc. i was referring to what kale said initially okay yeah i just wanted i want to clarify for the listeners too because i got a little lost there you don't think that came from, like, I don't think that came from Saga, but you don't think that came from uh, Image or Indies in general? No, because as far back as when I started reading comics, which was 2004, uh, when I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man, Marvel was already yeah. doing that. And so Ultimate Spider-Man... I mean, Image had been around for a while then by that point. I don't, like, have the facts to back up whether or not that, like, when it started, but... I, I want to say that Image had started their whole "we'll give you a mini series and see if it pans out" thing by that point. Yeah, they've always they've always had that, like always had the five six thing uh, in terms of trying out new number ones. Like they've always had that. It's like a pilot, right? Being like, right. We'll give you six issues and see if it's see if something happens. So I wonder, I wonder then if Ultimate Spider Man was Marvel's testing ground for that. That's what I was going to say is like the first the first example I can think of of Marvel giving a creative team like more than six issues to craft a narrative was in Ultimate Spider-Man because Bagley and uh, and Bendis did a they did a hundred and eleven, I think, before Bagley left the book. Yeah. So I guess we're talking about two different things then because I'm. Yeah, I feel like we're getting in the weeds here. It's not really effective. <clears throat> Well, no, I think uh, I think Pete, you're talking about something different. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. At any Never rate, mind, shut up. I think it's <laughs> shut up, Caleb. I think it's really cool that one of the one of the pioneers of this whole indie movement is Karen Berger because uh, the Vertigo imprint was under DC. So maybe you might not say that that's indie, but the fact of the matter is that if you look at the books that she was publishing, they're very much not marvel or dc traditional books right and no. some of those yeah, books, they have that image ethos for sure some of those books are the reasons why we have some of the, the readership that we have and the reasons why some of these books even get made like why the last man that's one of the most uh relevant comic books ever made i would say and i think that a lot of people have read it got into comics because of it and have transitioned into real fans as a result of it and she had a direct hand in the yeah, creation man. of that. And so, well, and go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like the success of why is why Brian K. Vaughn was able to do Saga too. Yeah, definitely. No, that's exactly why, yeah. You know, because it's like, people are like, oh, well, <laughs> we're going to get another Why the Last Man. All right, you can you can take your two-month break. That's fine. Like <laughs> For sure. And and even the even the books that she worked on that people might consider more superhero-y like Swamp Thing, Sandman, Hellblazer, they're still a far cry. No, from... they were definitely not superhero-y uh, in, in, like, in, in, the, in the traditional sense. They were definitely... At, well, not, yeah, not at the time when she was working the, on what I What I was trying to say was you might think of those characters as being more closer to, you know, traditional DC, but yeah. at the time when they were created and even now, they're still left of center. 
is what I meant. Yeah, and, yeah, Morrison, Morrison's Animal Man's a great example of that. I know she had a huge hand in that, I think. Yeah, and the whole Vertigo universe, like what before it became part of the DC canon, which I think is a big reason why it became the way it is, where it's kind of more generic. But back in that point when it was kind of its own uh, insular thing, it was totally revolutionary. And a lot of people who are interested in, in those kinds of books tend to be the same kind of people who would read Why or who would read Saga or who would read, you know, Kill or Be Killed or any of the stuff that uh, is being published right now by Image and, and by Dark Horse and IDW and these other... Um... Yeah, you mean like Marco? Me? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, are you talking about Mar me? Marco's a This new imprint, example. like Marco's exactly their target demographic. I, they are. Sure. I, I, I am. I'm, I'm exactly who they want yeah. reading this stuff. Yeah, me too. Fuck. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm really into this. I'm I'm really excited for this. Um, I, and I would love to see... Man, like, I just want to see... I want to see a day where Marvel and DC combined make up 50% of the market. Nah, it's not going to happen. No, it, it, well, maybe not. Never. But a man can dream. <laughs> I would I would love that too. That'd be, that'd be insane. That's what I want to see. I want to see Image take a bigger share, and I want to see some of the littler guys take a bigger share of the pie definitely because they're, they're trying their own things you know like I, I always reference um harrow county for um for dark horse like it's a it's a creator own thing and th th they've seen the success at least from what, what i've seen like they've seen the success in in image and in doing it in that sort of style and they're trying to emulate it to some degree uh, as are uh, i think we're seeing that we're seeing that with like boom and yeah exactly yeah and like Boom, I think is doing a really smart job because they're hedging their bets of doing like, okay, we'll do cartoon comics about like Adventure Time and Steven Universe and shit that are bankable properties, right? And then we'll use that money to invest in things like Lumberjanes mm -hmm. or like you know, um, years ago now, but like Irredeemable or Incorruptible. That's that's been the Dark Horse model for quite some time too, which. You know, they had Star Wars for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. They have Buffy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for a while too, right? I, uh, maybe, I think that's IDW I, now. That's IDW now for sure. It is IDW now. I think, it, I think you yeah. might be right I think though. at some point, yeah. Um, they've got Alien. That's changed hands so many fucking times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dark Horse has Alien. They've got Predator. They've got, yeah, yeah. So they've got a lot of different uh, properties that they have. I feel like they still have Planet of the Apes too. I and like think Terminator so. and shit like that. A lot of like eighties movies. And like, a Planet of the Apes, so. I think they still have, yeah. And so what I would say is Dark Horse probably hasn't capitalized on the fact that they have those things and used it to bring out some really amazing um creator owned books quite yet. But I think that Karen Berger joining up with them could lead to that. And so that's really Oh definitely, exciting. yeah. You know what I would I would love to see them do? I would love to see them do some shit where like they get they get somebody to do like some double duty for them where it's like, Hey, let's get like, you know, like a Mark Wade or somebody like that. Right. Who like has this idea that they want to do and we'll have them do one of our licensed books. So we get like a good arc of some random thing. Like, you know, we get Mark Wade's fucking planet of the apes story or whatever. And then after that they go do whatever their big idea is. Yeah. I think that would be, I would love that. And, and so speaking of creators, uh, creators have really led and driven this movement 
in a lot of ways because we talked about Robert Kirkman, but there are so many other creators who really have been pivotal in the movement of indie comics and and, and their rise. And I think believe I it, think Kirkman is the the catalyst for that though. He, I he think is. the success of Walking Dead is like fuck. Like why would I make this for somebody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I definitely want to celebrate some other people, and I think one of one of the people, believe it or not, who you can't talk about indie comics uh, without mentioning is Brian Michael Bendis, uh, because Jinx was a huge success. Jinx, yeah, and and I think that that's that's a big reason why a lot of people jumped onto comics, and a big reason why he's so popular. Torso was another big success. Powers, uh, Bendis is, Powers, 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 another yeah. one. Bendis has always been a proponent of that stuff, and that's how he broke in. And I think he's one of the the first examples that I can personally think of of someone who had a big time indie career and then transitioned into the big two. Uh, whereas now you see the opposite happening, where guys kind of have their big time career in the big two and then jump over to indie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. I think I think Bendis opened up a lot of doors for creators that would have probably stayed closed if he hadn't uh started up uh and then you look at what made him successful in marvel which was jessica jones which doesn't feel like a traditional marvel or dc book uh and brought that character to prominence and then ultimate spider-man which is one of the first books that kind of did what pete loves which is take a big time character and take them away from the you know like the continuity the 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 noise the baggage and what we got is one of the most successful examples of that ever. Uh, a book that got me into comics personally. Yeah. Uh, and I, for my money, Ultimate Spider-Man's like first run, like the first hundred plus issues is like, I think that is like one of the finest runs of meat and potato comics ever written. Like it's simple, but it's so fucking well executed. The art is great. Bendis's writing is awesome. It does great jobs of reimagining some of the major beats and modernizing them. It's just, it's so well done. It's so well crafted. Right. And and we're talking about Bendis and, and he's been so uh, associated with Marvel for such a long time that it's hard for people to imagine that he ever wasn't as big of a creator as he is. But at that time, he wasn't. And a lot of the stuff that he was doing was really innovative for the period. And that's why he got so popular. Uh and so I think I think he's he deserves recognition for his uh, accomplishments as an indie creator transitioning into a big two creator. Um, and then you have the the rise of kind of the like I think they were they were called the Young Guns at the time. Uh, Marvel brought on like guys like Matt Fraction and uh, Rick Remender and Jonathan Hickman and the guys who are like the big names in comics now. Right, the guys who kind of run comics now around two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight were relatively unknown had minor successes jonathan hickman had uh the sunday news i believe the comic was called or something along those lines that that kind of got him his success rick remender had fear agent uh matt fraction had um oh god what's the book kale you know it so he was doing one uh called uh, casanova and then he also had another book called like the five fists of science um that's very 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 small one of his first books i think and and so those creators brought an entirely new flavor, I would say, to Marvel because their ideas were super fresh. And I mean, shit. Even um, to fucking name some of the the women who have been uh, Kelly Sue, um, and her run on Captain Marvel. Yeah, and and that that came a little later, but 
I think I think that those yeah it was kind of like the second part of that wave like we saw people like her come in or even some more recent people like um like Babs Tar and like fucking uh, well she's an artist but um but yeah there's been like a, a kind of like continuing wave of that new blood but now all those people are starting to transition out into doing indie stuff right and it's it's because of Matt Fraction that we got his I mean his legendary Hawkeye run which is an is is an example of something that I think has been a positive change at Marvel and DC which are these sort of self-contained stories that feel very indie and I don't think we get that without what Matt Fraction did on Hawkeye you know I don't oh my god go ahead I just I wanted to like jump off of that. We were we put it we had it as a news item, but we didn't get to it this week. I am so fucking excited for Spectacular Spider Man with um, with Zdarsky. Yeah, Zdarsky. Yeah, yeah, from Sex Criminals. Oh my god, I can't wait for that fucking book. That book that's gonna be so cool. If it's even half as good as Fraction's Hawkeye, I'm gonna be fucking. It's gonna be lit. Like yeah, I'm excited so for that excited. too. Um, so, I mean, the, those, those creators really took over Marvel. I mean, Jonathan Hickman had Marvel by the balls, uh, for uh, like two years straight. Um, yeah, yeah. Rick Remender. Hickman's F- uh, Hickman's longer fan. than that. His Fantastic yeah. Four one was, I was just about uh, to say that. Yeah, seminal way before his, uh. Forever. It, it, it was way, uh, way, uh, like it paved the way for his Avengers stuff. Um, so yeah, even longer than that. Uh, and then, and then, as Pete was saying, we got we we started to get even more creators who were jumping on, who saw that, hey, if I go to Marvel, uh, I can have a run here and then take off, and then people will come read the stuff that I really want to write. Um, and so Kelly Sue DeConnick, she writes uh, Bitch Planet, correct? Bitch Planet, right. yeah. Which is a huge book, and probably wouldn't be if it wasn't for what she did on Captain Marvel. Um, yeah, I mean, she's like, not, you know, like, not to, like, get too in the weeds on that, but she kind of made a name for herself as, like, a, like a fe- like an upcoming feminist icon in comics, and then she comes out with this very, very, uh, like, intentionally feminist book, and it's like, of course that's gonna make waves, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Marco, who, uh, was it Marjorie Liu? Yep, Marjorie Liu, I was about to, yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she, yeah, she basically jumped on, she did, uh, X-23, I think. Um, and then she's doing monstrous now, right? Uh, now she's doing monstrous. She, we actually, uh, kid, I don't remember if you went. Uh, we went. No, it was you and Emily, right? We uh, we went to a, a panel. She was talking at Barnes and Nobles here in the city. Basically, she used this as a catalyst to go and start monstrous, start her own thing with Sonata Takeda, and she basically said, like, if I were to go back to doing Marvel, going back to doing a DC book, a paid for hire, I would be taking a step back in my career. And like that sort of mentality that's prevailing right now is, is crazy to, is crazy to us. I mean, and again, like not to harp on it too much, but I, I feel like the first creator that I remember like really kind of banging that drum in like recent years anyway, was Kirkman. Cause like Kirkman, like a lot of people don't remember worked for Marvel for a while. Um, and like created, uh, the new Ant-Man, um marvel zombies did he yeah he did marvel zombies Zombies. i don't think he did the whole thing but he worked on it um he also did a run on ultimate x-men for a while that was good um so like he he had been working with marvel for a long time and then walking dead was kind of his return to putting out an indie thing because he had done a few things before that like battle pope and stuff like that but um and then like when walking dead was a success and invincible was a success and well invincible came first but um when he had those books that were working 
and he was able to stop doing the paid for hire work. Like he straight up said, like, I will never go back to doing that. Like that, like I have freedom now. I have the freedom to work on the books I want to work on every month and tell the stories I want to tell. And yeah, like it's, it was great getting to write, you know, the X-Men, but I don't get to write the X-Men stories I want to tell. So what's the point? Yeah. And I think uh, just to, just to take it back to Marjorie Lou real quick, I'm racking my brain and I can't remember a uh, female writer who, who's, who's coming to comics was such a big deal or as big a deal. And I really feel that when it comes to the big two, at least she opened a lot of doors for women. I, I, I truly believe that because when she started, when she did X 23, she had already written books. She had novels, right? And, she was a writer beforehand. And she was one of the first novelists who came over to comics to write. And that was a big, deal. I guess she was. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. She was. Yeah. Yeah. That happened a long time ago. And, and now she's one of the bigger names in the industry. And, and I think if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't have seen a lot of the stuff that we have seen as far as uh, women getting to write these titles. So she's a really important person to bring up as well. Um, and, and, and so one of the things that I, that I do want to say, and this is maybe a controversial opinion, but I mentioned that there may be some negative uh, ramifications of the rise of indie comics. And one of the things that we talked about is that creators now really don't have a desire to work on Marvel, Marvel or DC books, if not to sort of bring attention to, you know, what they're doing otherwise, right? So Rick Remender said to himself, I'm going to go to Marvel, I'm going to work there, I'm going to bust my ass, gain notoriety, and then I'm going to leave. And that's exactly what he did. And he said, I'm going to give myself a year to make it work in the, you know, in the in, in the indie scene and if that doesn't work then I'll go back to Marvel. But clearly it has worked. And so after Matt and Jonathan Hickman and Rick Remender and Ed Brubaker all left Marvel, their books took a real dip in quality. And I don't think I don't think there are many people who would argue with that. And then their sales dipped as well. And I think that that's a negative thing because ultimately we need Marvel and DC to exist. And if if the books are not good and people don't buy them, then they won't exist anymore. So to me, at least, it sucks when creators do this, even though they, they have the right and they should write what they want to. It sucks when you lose such talented uh, creators who, who no longer want to work on Marvel or DC books because there could come a time where there aren't talent, super talented creators who want to do this anymore. And then we lose the two, the big two, and then the industry falls. Well, I don't. So I think that I. Uh, all right, we all. I guess we, we, all, we all have. We all have shit to jump in. So yeah, let's. So I think I think some of this, like, there's a lot of damage that these companies do to their writers. Uh, you know, DC's a, a big problematic company that you know for a long time. Greg Rucka, uh, Sean, I think you were part of that interview that we did with him that. He said he said he would never go back to DC, uh, but and then he I did. Mean, here he is writing Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there are these companies because they're so corporate and they have these brands to think about. Like a lot of times, they're just so mired in bureaucracy and, and garbage that it's hard to work for these companies. So why would you? Um, and I think I I sort of think that goes back to the continuity issue. You know, you can't do what you want to do sometimes, so why bother? 
I think I think a big thing that I see too, like personally, um, I don't think it's a problem because I think if anything, it's going to force Marvel and DC to remedy the way that they deal with creators. Because I, I think the way that they handle it right now is Marvel and DC have the attitude that like creators are not important. Um, the IP is important and they don't need to pay you residuals. They don't need to pay you for the characters that you create. They don't need to do any of those things because you're privileged just to work at Marvel or DC. You're pri- it's a privilege to write Superman or Spider-Man or whoever. Um, and I think especially when I look and see them giving uh, people outside of comics like you know Max Landis or, or, Gen- or Gendry or any of these other people we talk about, they're like, hey, we'll give you you can do whatever you want because we want you to come write a comic for us. But then the people who are actually comics writers that make them money and are the the real backbone of the industry get treated like hired help. I wouldn't work for them either. Why would you? Why would you go fucking spend your time writing X-Men or Spider-Man or whatever when you're not going to get residuals, you're not going to get any real credit for your work, or you could go pitch your idea to Image, maybe it works out, maybe you get a movie made, maybe you get a TV show, and you, you suddenly you have a multi-million dollar property on your hands, and you're a fucking millionaire. And then you can do whatever you want forever. Right, and, and also, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, and, and also, like, I think that what having these creators leave the major companies rather would be a wake-up call and be like, hey, we should, like, again, what people were saying, like, we should treat these uh, these creators better we should focus on them versus the ip try to cultivate them um and create an environment where they don't want to leave. right right and I, I think that that is what will actually happen it, it, it sure it gets them like a dip in sales a dip in quality of work but i think that if it happens as it keeps happening maybe it'll sort of be the catalyst to a change of perspective in Marvel and DC so that way they can not only cultivate the creators and have these really unique great quality books but also have creators who are happy working there and also change the image of working at one of the the big two of not being like hey you know maybe maybe I can come come into Marvel I can come into DC I can tell my stories using these characters and they'll you know they'll treat me like a an artist not as like a piece of garbage who's just here to make them sales or at the very least they'll treat me like the person that's making them fucking right right because that's what drives me crazy man and it's like i think like a common thread between these things we're talking about is we've seen a max exodus of creative talent from these publishers on multiple occasions and the first big one that we've brought up was the creation of image (laughs) yeah most people don't know this but like the the people that started image they unionized and went to marvel and were like hey we're making you a ton of money creating these new characters and all this shit we deserve residuals you know like i i deserve residuals for creating venom you know which is a character you're gonna profitize off of forever in perpetuity you know and it's like the fact that they wouldn't meet them halfway and like give them any creative control or give them better incentives for pay or benefits or any of those things that they were asking for that's why image even exists and that's why they are losing all these this fucking talent is because they don't treat these people like like that they have value and then they leave and it's it's the you see and honestly like this is a trend in all media you know, it's like I, I've talked a lot of times about um, my favorite podcast, Kind of Funny. All four of the people that were there worked at IGN for like 10 plus years, realized that they had equity in their names and their brand and went and did their own thing. 
you know, well, and like yeah, and then the the two thousand eight nine uh, writer strike, like yeah. that was huge. Oh, yeah, that impacted yeah. TV for ever, forever. Yeah, for a while. Like, yeah, and it's just a matter of like you can't treat creative people like shit. And with the attitude of like, well, it's a revolving door. There's always somebody else. There is always somebody else, but they're not always as good. And if you don't value talent, talent leaves. And like, honestly, they deserve more. Like Matt Fraction, Rick Remender, these guys deserve more money. They deserve to own the things that they that they create. They deserve to. And granted, yeah, Fraction doesn't deserve to own Hawkeye because he wrote a great Hawkeye run. But like, maybe he deserved a bonus or something because it was so fun. It won an Eisner, you know, and like. They should have. They should have fought tooth and nail for sex criminals to be an icon book, instead of letting it go to image. Since speaking of Eisner, like this isn't anything new. This has been happening since the inception of comics. Like this was a big thing in Eisner's memoir. Um, I'm forgetting the name. It's not a contract with God, but um, he basically he went through the same thing. Like he was getting treated poorly for making scrapbooks, and um, like. He sort of found a an environment where his creations were sort of uh, uh, encouraged, and like that's where the spirit came. That's where Joe—I forgot the other character. He he also made uh, Mister Mystic, things like that. Is where they sort of flourished, and that's where he also got a lot of his um, his praise and money from. So, real quick, I just want to mention because we brought up the creation of image. I do want to mention the founders because they're important people in the industry. Totally. And yeah, we haven't like named all without, of them, so we should without do that. them this none of this that we're talking about exists. Uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, uh, Wilce Portacio, uh, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, and Rob Liefeld. Those are the reasons why we have Image. They're the reasons why we have indie comics in general. And um, yeah, they. They took a big risk and it paid off. And of those people, the only ones who aren't actually within Image anymore are um, Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld. He still does, I think, some some work. Savage Dragon. Yeah, but that's about the extent. Like other than that, Eric. I mean, yeah, he's he's still involved. He writes Savage Dragon, mm-hmm. and like he has his own imprint, but like other people run it. Right, but like in terms of where he is in Image Comics status, like Eric Larson's like the CFO, Tommy McFarlane's the president, Mark Silvestri's the CEO, and Jim Valentino's the vice president. Um, Eric Stevenson. Jim Lee's a fucking asshole and left Image and sold Wildstorm to DC. <laughs> so before we wrap up this conversation, uh, we should probably shout out some of the books that we feel are you know the best that indie comics has to offer. Uh, I don't want to do too much of this, but I know that a lot of our readers or listeners probably don't read some of the stuff that we would shout out. So if you are intrigued by what we've said here and you kind of want to branch away from Marvel and DC and read some of these books, here are some of our top picks and the things that uh, we think represent indie comics the best. So Pete, you want to start us off? Cool. Sure. Um, I like. I always feel bad because like I feel like I go back to the same books, but like if you haven't read them yet, like which. Given by the percentage we gave, 90% of comics readers don't. 80. Um, 80, thank you. Um, so, I mean, for me, like, The Walking Dead is a consistently enjoyable read. It's an easy pick. But um, Invincible is Robert Kirkman's other ongoing series. My favorite comic. Um, you should absolutely check that out. 
Uh, shout outs to Saga and Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, both phenomenal reads. Saga's currently ongoing. Why the Last Man's been done for years. Um, so that's, if you haven't read it, you, that's a huge gap that you should go f- complete. Um, uh, I'm also a huge fan of uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. And um, so I wanted to give a shout out to his current book, Snot Girl. Uh, Marco and I both talked about it on the show. We both like it a lot. Um, just wrapped up its first arc. You can go get the, the trade paperback now. It's like 10 bucks because images boss like that. Um, so check that out. Uh, he's also the writer of Scott Pilgrim, which again, if for some reason you've not read Scott Pilgrim, you're sleeping on it. Go, uh, go check that out. Um, Lost at Sea was his predecessor to that. It's another great read. And then Seconds is his most recent, um, graphic novel. That's like a one-off kind of thing. Another phenomenal read. Um, those are like really my three favorite creators. So I don't, I, I don't, I, I think those are probably the ones I would give you, um, my biggest recommendations for. So for me, uh, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, Ed Brubaker is the man. Uh, everything he writes is great, whether it's, uh, his new stuff like killer be killed, uh, criminal, which he's been doing for quite some time with Sean Phillips, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, velvet is a great book with a female lead that I think everyone should read. If you like noir, um, and, and so just, Fatal uh, is also really, really good. Uh, That's been going for a while too. No, that one finished. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely check his stuff out. I would also shout out Rick Remender. Uh, I'm a super fan of his, and everything he does is good. So Tokyo Ghost, uh, Deadly Class, Black Science is amazing, and Low. Those are all phenomenal books. I fucking love Low. Low is one of my Low favorite so books good. of all time. Yeah, and it's and it's still going. Um, Jonathan Hickman. Oh, you know what? Sorry, go ahead. We gave a shout out to it earlier. Descender. That's another really good image. Book. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Jonathan Hickman's stuff is really good, but it's very hard to read. Um, the Black Monday very, Murders. Very heady. Yeah, yeah. Black Monday Murders is a great book. I couldn't uh, get into so that one. I like it, but it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's really weird. Yeah. So I would I would recommend that, and then. Um, I would say I would say read Dark Manning's stuff, read Tales of Mystery, um, read Nightmare World. All that stuff is awesome. Tales of Mystery is so fucking awesome. Like Tales of Tales of Mystery is so cool because it's literally just like, what if you combined like just some of the funniest or the f- most fun things about like different kinds of fandom and just like jam them all together. It's like, what if John Constantine, John Constantine was a black wizard, but also there's superheroes and Cthulhu, and the devil's the main bad guy, and you have Tales of Mystery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's fucking insane. <laughs> um, Marco, you want to go? Yeah, um, so I would also want to shout out um, some of the earlier stuff, like from Vertigo, um, Sandman, um, now preacher uh, i'm really liking that um swamp thing as well um that's sort of a gray area but that's just because it was the first book that uh vertigo actually acquired that switched from dc to vertigo so i'm still counting it um i was gonna say marco it's like oh yeah my favorite indie books like uh watchman i don't know if you guys have heard of it uh the killing joke <laughs> really good really good it's about this character called batman i don't know he's i think he's gonna ha- he's got a bright future ahead <laughs> um um 
We already mentioned it. They're making a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see about that. It got options. Also, uh, The Wicked and Divine. So, uh, Gillen McKelvey, uh, Postal, which which is Matt Hawkins. It's one of my, yeah, Postal, Think Tank, uh, The Tithe. Those are all Matt Hawkins' books. Really like his his work. Um, And... Uh, I guess you guys sort of covered some of the the other stuff, yeah. Uh, James Tinian's with the with the woods, and um, last Cullen Bunn, who's like becoming my favorite writer for horror. Uh, he does Harrow County. He did a, another sort of indie called uh, Wolf Moon. Um, so yeah, yeah. So. Uh- it's awesome that you guys are are plugging your favorite creators. I'm gonna plug mine, uh, and it's the people in my own company. We're all tired and hungry. Um, well, I'm gonna plug <clears throat> Kale uh, Kale Weird, right? Is that it? Is that how you pronounce that it? Sounds, Kale yeah, Kale Weird. Sounds right. Uh, Kale Kale Weird and his <laughs> book um, From the Depths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, please support panels. You know, uh, we've got uh, you know a selfie store. Kale's very hungry. Legitimately, all our stuff is really good. Uh, one of my favorite books, uh, Sosmonaut the Cosmonaut, yeah, yeah, yeah. is coming out with its uh, second issue uh, in April. Ooh, I'm getting that. Um, yeah, you read the first one, right? Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Letty has a, an amazing uh, Letty Wilson, who did the uh, the you know our logo. Thanks a lot, Letty. Um, she has uh, several great uh, books. She does uh, Cosmic. She did From the Deep for Me. Uh, she's got her own title, uh, Meteor, which uh, is on Comixology right now. She's got a webcomic called Owl People that she releases uh, weekly. Uh, Letty's a fucking dynamo. Um, Yo, so we talked about this once in one of our meetings. When are we going to get Letty to commit to making the Comics Pals uh, webcomic? Because now that I'm an expert letterer, I'm so ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, Letty's Letty's a, a dynamo. Um, but also, like, uh, check out... Well, I don't know. Plaid, Plaid's not quite small beans anymore, but I was going to say Plaid Klaus. And then... Uh, the guest I, we were going to have today is a, a big part of uh, Scottish comics uh, where I went to school in, in, in Dundee, Scotland is, is a, a huge driving force in like small uh, Scottish comics. Uh, they started a, a creative space that's connected to the master's program uh, through my university and uh, they're, they work a lot with young kids and, 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 and fostering, talent um so support your local stuff a hundred percent absolutely uh and yeah buy number ones guys <laughs> yeah, yeah as, sure. as much as you can and please buy number twos and threes uh, that's a huge problem too yeah people yeah. get number ones and then like sleep on then sleep on staying up to date with the series and like if you really like a comic it's important to support it in its early days yeah I bought two copies of every issue of Snot Girl. Really? Because no one was buying it. Yeah, I did. Because I was like, I really like this Damn, book. Damn, I should have done that. I want to I wanna see it succeed, man. Yeah. I, I have fucking... I, I have two copies of the first three issues. I don't have multiples of four, five, and six. Must be, must be nice to have that sweet CBR money. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if we're plugging our own stuff, please go read my articles on CBR so I can afford to eat. Hey, we have a segment for this. Yeah, we do. Um, is, is it time for that? It's about to be. But I just, I just want to say that if you like comics and you like to read comics, uh, and, and this is coming from someone who was very much that person, uh, there's more to comics than just Marvel and DC. And there's absolutely nothing at all wrong with liking superheroes or stuff that Marvel and DC publish. If anyone ever gives you shit, tell them they're wrong because they are. Uh, Tweet at Sean Soapbox and he'll give you the earful. I will yeah. argue with you if you tell me, if you try to tell me that there's something wrong with liking DC and Marvel because there isn't. Superheroes are bad and dumb. Superheroes have said, no no depth. That being said, there's more to this thing we do called comics than those things. And some of the stories that are out there might surprise you. Some of those stories will connect with you. Uh, some of those stories will speak to you. And they might just change the way you think about yourself and the world. And that's important. And they might just be a really good time. And that's important too. So do yourself a favor. Do these creators a favor. And give it a shot. If you go to the comic book store and you look at a book that doesn't have a familiar character on it. But it looks interesting. Pick it up. You never know. What's two bucks? What's three bucks? Right? Just give it a shot. Because it makes this industry better overall. And that's important. Absolutely. Um, and I think like another important thing is, uh, you know, like identify, identify people in the industry who you trust. Like if you listen to our show and you realize that you have a lot in common with one of the guys and they recommend a, a new book for you, go read it. You know, like th that's a great way to like get a little bit of assurance. So you're not just throwing your money out there for anything that comes along. Um, and this is an unpopular opinion, but I think if you're really like if you want to sample something and you're really really like on the fence about it like if if you pirate it and you like it go buy something you know cuz a lot of people read digital comics and I I do that I'll admit it like I pirate things to read them because I don't like touching comics with my sweaty hands but I pay for every single thing I download so it's like you got to support the books that you like cuz otherwise they don't exist I do it so that way I can see like all right if I like if I like this I'm like I'm definitely going to go out and buy it like that's what I did for March I read like halfway through the first uh the like the first the, issue the, yeah the first book and i, I bought the the trilogy pack because like it's amazing yep yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah i mean like that's a maybe unpopular opinion but if if, if you if money's tight for you and you can't afford to go experiment with your wallet experiment and then go pay for the things that you actually enjoyed um to make sure that that, that they get another shot um because you know I, I remember what it was like to be a kid and not have any expendable income and it's like you you know Mark and I have talked about this. Like, Image puts out so many books, I can't afford to buy every number one they yeah. put out. So I wish you got to but... be a little selective. Yeah, it would be great, but um, yeah, you know, it's another world. But um, one last shout out I want to give, um, if if you're looking for more recommendations, is uh, go check out on Twitter, um, Jamie Me at Jamie Me writes. Uh, he is the um, curator of hashtag Comic Book Hour, which is a weekly discussion uh, about indie comics, mostly. Um, lots of creators, journalists, fans show up and, and talk about indie books. So it's a great way to uh, learn about new comics um, and just learn about new creators who are, who are trying new things. And um, so go check that out. Check out Jamie's book, Queen, um, and uh, his webcomic, Poorly Drawn Lines. And uh, I want to give like one more random shout out um, because we talked a lot about writers today. Uh, and I feel like the art side of things never quite gets as, yeah. as much um attention so i wanted to give shout outs to my two favorite artists in the industry who work on my two favorite indie books 
um, which would be Ryan Otley, who is the artist on Invincible, and Fiona Staples, who is the artist on Saga. Um, So please go follow their work, support them. If you have money, buy prints, stuff like that. Um, You know, support support your local comic book, whatever. (laughs) It's my PSA for the day. (laughs) Cool. So if you enjoyed this discussion and the rest of the show... Please do check us out on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals. Let us know what it is that you like to read that may not be from Marvel or DC. Uh, tell us what's your favorite image book, yeah, <laughs> or, um, or non-image book, or you know, Dark Horse, yeah. Boom, Dynamite, whatever. Yeah, uh, you can hit us up on Gmail at the Comics Pals on Gmail You can leave us a star rating and a comment on iTunes, which is really appreciated. And you can hit us up on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave us a comment, let us know what you think about the show, and definitely do share it with your friends. The biggest way you can support us and help us out is by spreading the word and letting your friends know what it is that we do and that you enjoy it. So please do that. Uh, Yeah, and if you want to have your voice heard, you know, like we said, sending questions, random questions of the week. If you have a topic for us, you have some fan art, anything like that, please share it. We love to read it on on the air. Cool. All right. So thanks again for joining us here on another fantastic episode of The Comics Pals. Uh, If you guys want some more content from me, you can go check out my writing over at CBR.com where I write lists uh, once or twice a week. Um, Currently, I have two pieces up this week about um, the Amalgam crossovers in the 90s, so Marvel DC crossovers, which were a ton of fun. Uh, if you want some more content from me, you can check out my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash. It's slackandslash.com or youtube.com slash slackandslash. Uh, it's a video game channel. We do a podcast every Monday where I host and uh, we do Let's Plays. We have some scripted content every once in a while. It's a ton of fun. So if you're a gamer, come hang out with us. Uh, and then if you want to just come talk to me or follow me on social media or whatever, you can find me at loud underscore Pete. And uh, yeah, come have a conversation with me. I'd love to talk to you. Cool. Uh, as I said, uh, we... I have a comics company called uh, Panels Publishing. We're on Comixology under uh, Panels Comics. We're on Facebook and Twitter under Panels Comics. And then Twitter on Panels Comics with an X. Uh, The second issue of my book, uh, From the Deep, is on my selfie store. It's not on Comixology. What's on Comixology? I'll tell you right now. It's Cosmic. Issue number number one! It's (laughs) It's issue number one of From the Deep. Uh, I gotta get issue number two on there. It's finished. Uh, when did issue number two come out? I didn't even know it existed until recently when you sent me it, so I could like look at the letters. I was like, "Wait, what? Like oh my- this is done?" Yeah, it's on our it's on our selfie store, which we have a lot more stuff than uh, Comicsology. Uh, so yeah, take a look at that. Um, Meteor number one, which is Letty's uh, own self published stuff. It's about uh, this supervillain who is trying to turn good. Um, she's like a this might this might sort of be up your alley, Sean. She's sort of a garbage Iron Man. <laughs> oh, I uh, love the idea of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's on Comicsology number one. I love this book. Uh, can't recommend it enough. And then Cosmic number two is also out on Comicsology. Uh, if you've been following that series at all, uh, our uh, selfie store is selfie.com slash panels publishing. Buy our stuff. We're hungry. Uh, if you if you like me for some reason, uh, you can follow me on Twitter and uh, Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. Awesome, uh, Marco. You can follow me uh, on Instagram and at Twitter 
at woe is Marco. Uh, Twitter just has an underscore at the end, and I usually uh, tweet stuff out at Pete or Kale and Phil and poke fun at all their all their books and their wrong choices. Fucking Marco. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Sean Soapbox, and um, you can read all the wonderful things that I have posted. Um, <laughs> you haven't posted shit. <laughs> what do you mean? He retweeted that one thing. Yeah, he retweeted dude. that one thing Kale said. Yeah, so read it about over, him making a Twitter. Read it over and over again, and let me know what you think about anything, and I will talk to you about it because I will talk about anything. Tweet at Sean and tell him to actually use his Twitter and to fucking set a banner. He got a webcam, so he's he's. I'm running out of things to give him shit about. Yeah, he's slowly <laughs> building his arsenal. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Sean, I can't tell if you look really satisfied or like just like, fuck, why? Why do I do this show?